Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Wait, are you recording? I am not. He is not recording. I okay. can establish that. <laughs> All right. Let's get started. Yep, me too. All right. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steve, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. Fred. Hey. Hey, Fred. Hey. What's up, Fred? Guys. <laughs> Gliders, but they come back down. Yeah. All right. So this is episode number 113, 3D printers and gliders. Hmm. Wait a minute. We should give most of our listeners some time to like get up off the floor. Yes. They probably just fell over. Yes. Nice. So let's catch up with everyone's week first. All right. Who would like to go first? Let Kevin go first. He never goes first. I never go first. Yeah, Kevin never goes first. Okay, Kevin, go for it. You want me to go first? Yes. All right. <laughs> I printed a bunch of stuff like crazy. I had two printers going around the clock to the point where my wife was like, did those printers ever stop printing? And I'm like, <laughs> no, they don't. They don't stop printing. I've been uh, printing out a plane, which we're going to talk about, and mm-hmm. I've been designing... Um, been designing a few things. One thing I wanted to do was um, get my headphones out of the, like, they, they kind of hang on the edge of my garbage pail that's next to my desk, and I think that's kind of crappy because they're really nice headphones. I paid, like, 100 bucks for them, I think. Oof. Wait, wait, wait. Your, your headphones just basically sit in the garbage when you're not using them? Yeah, they, like, hang on the garbage. So I don't, I, and I don't throw, like, food stuff in there, so it's not like, you know, dirty crumbs or nothing getting into my headphones but uh i just wanted to get them off there so i started designing a 3d printed like headphone stand and a lot of people are going to say yeah big deal and it's it started out as two stupid pieces and now it's like this ridiculous thing that i'm putting rgb lights in and i (laughs) oh boy yeah it it turned into this big massive uh, production it's just it's nuts so yeah i started printing that out um and that's coming along okay uh but i on the other printer i've been printing out the steerman printed a, a fuselage for the steerman entire like eight pieces or yeah say roughly eight pieces plus a hatch i printed that all in one day man i just back to back when it stopped i was printing something else yeah the smaller pieces you know are like two hours but some of the larger ones get up to about three and uh yeah the printer's going strong man which is good I flew on Saturday for a few. I took the oxys down to my local park real quick, and uh, the 285 I was having some tail wag issues with, and I believe that's because I was running the tri-blade head on that, and I didn't change the tail rotor pinion Ooh. at all or shaft, whatever the hell that is. The Your gear, pulley? The, the gear on the, yeah, on the tail. Yep. I think I gotta, okay. I guess I got to change that. So I had a good couple flights on the 255, and then I put it in pretty hard. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I was um, I was cranking that thing around. I was doing stuff super low. Like, well, I guess super low for me. Below the tree line, you know, when you're flying. And uh, mm-hmm. so I started to do what, what drove it in was I was doing, you know, half pyro flips, and I was doing some inverted stuff and just, just my normal baloney. And I started doing the backflips that I do, and I was about 10 feet off the ground. And it was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then it got to the point where I was 
upright and it was still moving backwards really fast and i tried to give it i tried to stop it and mm-hmm. it dug in like it was just like whoa like it and then, and oh, then it, it just started dug into the collective yeah it dug right into the collective and kind of like came around in this big like arc and just went wham right into the ground and i already fixed it though it's uh you know it's just your standard like main shaft main gear you know mm-hmm. uh album I, or no 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 um main shaft main gear and the um, what the hell is nope. that? The feathering shaft that I was gonna I call feathering shaft, but spindle yeah. shaft. And no fender shaft, yeah. Yeah, and a couple of links. And that was it. Nice. And that's all I really have been doing. I, I'll hope to. I want to get a video together. I started doing a little time lapse footage of the print that was going on, but uh, my GoPro it sucks, man. I gotta try and hook up maybe a little Octo print camera. Yeah, either that or like just a camera that goes into your computer and records on your computer because. Yeah. The, the problem is that you know the GoPro only can record or take so many pictures, and then it's full, and it doesn't tell you it's full. Just dee, 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 it shuts off, and you're like, okay. So you end up missing a whole bunch of footage. At least for me, I've had that experience where I'm trying to time lapse something and like a build, right? And yeah. before I know it, the GoPro's full, and now it's like, okay, I guess I have to stop building so I could take the time to empty that card out because it takes forever to, for that to happen too, you know? So. Well, I had the maximum size card I could use was 32 gig on the GoPro, the Hero or whatever. I don't know, cheap-ass Hero that I got as a Christmas yeah. present uh, from my company a couple of years ago. Yeah. So I've, I've been using that. But, yeah, I, I think I'm going to wind up doing something with Octoprint and uh, doing a time-lapse setting on the capture, to capture that. But I want to get a video together of, of actually putting the whole thing together. So I got all the pieces for the fuselage, and I could, just got to go through it. I got to clean up the garage. I can't have people coming into my garage uh via the internet and it being a freaking complete mess yeah yeah if that's the case i can't let anyone in my shop right now it's it's well it's i'm bad. shameless i don't give a fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i do them live videos and records and my garage is a it's a mess it's really a mess i don't care you but know. we don't really see that we see uh your your family room uh well yeah that was that was that uh, yeah because i've been doing a lot of stuff inside but like the the oxy video i mean i guess because i didn't it's just focused on the build table. You don't see it, but yeah, that that was in a garage, and my garage is really a mess now. Cool. But that's all I've been up to, man. That was it. Cool. What do you guys been up to? All right. Who wants to go, go next? Steve? Put a whole stack of it. I do have a whole stack. Okay. So, uh, first of all, I got a three D printer, and it was like I ordered it on Thursday. And then I got it on Friday, which was mind blowing for me that I, you know, got it in one day, like nine o'clock in the morning. I ordered on Thursday, and by one thirty, I got it on Friday, which was amazing. So you know, of course, right after work, the first thing I did was just start building this thing. I got it built that night and got a test print done about like eleven, twelve o'clock at night or so. And I gotta say, you know, I bought this A eight A net A eight iPrusa i three clone or whatever. It was $156 off of eBay. And, nice. you know, was delivered, like shipped, delivered, you know? Hmm? Was it new? Yeah, brand new in, in a box, you know, big box that says ANET on the side and wow. original packaging and everything. And, you know, it's it's the acrylic frame, right? So it's not the, it's not like all metal or anything super nice. But I got to say, it went together pretty well. Um, and the first print came out pretty much perfect, at least for... As perfect as you could get uh, for a first print. 
I mean, it was it's great. Like it's I have none but good things to say about this thing because right now I've probably put about I don't know, maybe like thirty hours of printing already on this thing. You know, I bought like five spools and I've been just printing a whole bunch of stuff um, for the 3D printer mainly, but you know, just some test prints on the the 3D Labs uh, print uh, airplanes, which we'll talk about a little bit later too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but besides that, uh, then comes the weekend and Sunday. Uh, you know, it was a fly. You know, Saturday was a family day, so Sunday, you know, we were getting up with a whole bunch of folks at South Jersey uh, Heli Group, and it it kind of became an impromptu fun fly for a lot of Aligns. Um, because there was there was several guys who got the Align 700XN, so their their new Nitro, and we had four of them that were maining for the first time, and oh, wow. with with brand new motors and everything, like it was pretty impressive. Um, all four of them have successful maidens and successful flights, you know. After that, and, and uh, we did have five of them there. The last one was uh, our friend John from who used to live in Brooklyn, who moved out to Ohio. So John Dale. Yeah, um, I saw him on one of your videos, man. Yep, yep. He came out. Uh, he was in Brooklyn. He drove out to there, and he had his 700 XN. And he was like, you know, he's going to Vegas. He's like, I'll fly to 700XN because, you know, if something were to happen, it's, it's, it's fine. He's not bringing that to Vegas anyway. So he's just bringing his, uh, his electric. And I think it was like the first flight, which is only the third flight on that helicopter. Oh, boy. Um, you know, he has a V-bar on there. He's, he's doing some tweaks. You know, the, the pure rate was insane. He's 140 on the on the. The um, the rates on the tail. Um, for anyone who flies V control, turn yours up to 140 and see what happens. It is insane how fast that tail spins around. Like 11? No, do not do that. It's like turning it up to 20. Like you know, if 10 was the max, it's super fast. And without a canopy, and you know, he had his receiver pack. It was Velcro on the battery itself, and then the Velcro strap around it, like you you know you normally would. Uh, I don't know. Maybe just the pure rate is just insane. Um, but he was inverted, pirouetting, and we're like, oh, something fell off your heli. <laughs> oh, your heli just hit the ground. Oh, your heli's chicken dancing. Pow, 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 pow. Just eating itself alive. Oh, no. Um, it finally like kind of settled where it actually kind of was like flopping around and settled on the skids. And then they ran over and unplugged the fuel line. Full chicken dance, you know, blades. Main shaft, the, the boom got chopped off, you know, tail went flying, the receiver pack got hit. Uh, it was it was pretty crazy. So what was falling off? The receiver pack. Oh. <laughs> because centrifugal force says, Velcro, <laughs> that's not going to hold me. And the battery flew off. Jeez. You know, and, you know if you had the canopy on, it probably wouldn't have happened because uh, the, the battery would have been, you know, sitting on the canopy and obviously it's not going to push battery and a canopy off so but uh yeah so that happened um it was actually a pretty crazy day as far as like amount of people that came out it was over 20 people and there was people out you know a couple of folks from long island alex uh oh not sorry alex uh andrew lotch i think is how you say his last name and our friend uh maynard came out from long island yeah uh, we had ryan papp out there you know who's a who's a flight test fan yeah he, he mentioned out. uh they saw you when he was out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. He came out there and a bunch of, bunch of folks from PA, a bunch of folks from all over New Jersey, 
um it was cool it was it was actually really nice and the weather was insane because you know that saturday night the night before i got 10 inches of snow here where where you know kevin you and i live like this area we got hit eight to ten inches yeah and you know there's probably about four to six down there but you wouldn't know it because by one o'clock all the snow was pretty much gone you know it was a little bit muddy but it was it was warm enough that all the snow melted it was uh it was a solid day of flying. It was nice. Um, I didn't get that many flights in, but, you know, it was, it's a lot about the hanging out and having fun with the, the fellas. I did a whole bunch of live videos. I did a, I did every 700X that made it, and I, I recorded a live video. So it might have been on the more boring side. So it's kind of, you know, because maidens are usually just hovering, right? You just hover. You take off, hover, you know, fly around upright. Um, but I was, I was recording him and trying to have some fun. Maynard also made his uh, XL Power 520. I gotta say that helicopter moves. It looks pretty. It looks like a really solid five hundred size heli. Um, so that's that was interesting to see in person. Uh, let's see what else do I have for the week. Oh, I sold the mini comet. So the SAV mini comet sold, and that got shipped out today. Nice. I got a set of BK servos in, and I posted that today. And and the the, the whole thing I posted was you know not really what helicopter I'm getting. You know, I was asking, you know, what type of helicopter am I getting? Um, and see how many people actually caught that because the picture was a four 7001 cyclic servos and one 7006 servo. So uh, for for the non-heli folks out there, you know, most helicopters only use three on the cyclic. So three to do your controls on your, your main blades and then one tail servo for your tail rotor, right? So what could the other servo be for? Yeah, Ooh. so the fourth servo, it's for throttle on a nitro. So that's where uh, I was trying to get at and see if anyone caught that. And some folks did. Some folks caught it right away, but they, they, they thought it was a Synergy five, N556, uh, which I don't even think is out yet. Uh, so, so it wasn't that. I do not know. But today, uh, also, it's funny that I was getting two packages, one USPS, which came at 1230, like my mail normally does. And the other one was UPS, which came at like seven o'clock, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I got the helicopter in, so I got the SAB Goblin Black Nitro Sport. Nice. They do uh, entry level sport and doesn't have the blades or anything, but you know, I got enough sets of blades. And I actually did put a order of blades in, which I'll, I'll actually mention now. Um, I guess this could be part of news announcements, but I have now joined Team switch rotor blades very nice so yeah i've joined another team and i'm very uh you know i I fly switch blades you know they're great blades they're very economical and have they perform great you know we had bird on the show talking about switch blades and you know basically what are they were the edge molds so those blades are like tested and true for for years you know yeah Um, and yeah i've never had any issues with them so um, I was asked to join a team, and heck yeah! Nice, Thank you. dude. Opportunity. Congratulations! Yeah, I'm, I'm very stoked about it. So that was another thing I did today: is I dropped uh, <laughs> quite a bit of money to get some of my other helis that didn't have the switch blades. Get those on switch. So can't wait to get that in. And, you know, I ordered a set of blades for this helicopter too, since it doesn't come with blades on uh, normally. Nice. In high school, I was on team switchblade, dude. Y- yeah, yeah. Was it was it actual switchblade or was it a switch comb? No, it was switchblade. Back blade. in the greaser Ooh. days, it was a stiletto. I was one a of the guys okay. with a stiletto. 
dude. And I think I still have it somewhere. So wait, do you have two stilettos, one on each foot? No, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised no. you even know what that is. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know what a blackjack is? Blackjack. That was, um, what the hell was that? It's a way of, it's the little thing they use to smack people in the head. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a billy club or something. No, like 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 a it's like a leather thing, right? Yeah. It's like, called a sap. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, we didn't have those in in my high school. We just had a sock full of quarters. Yep. Like like Charles Bronson. Anyways, I'm getting way off. People are, people are gonna <laughs> I think I went metal, to. I was gonna say full metal jacket and a bar of soap in the sock. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> so and then besides that, I've been printing nonstop. Like you know, I've been printing nonstop with this printer and. Um, you know, I'm going to recommend, I guess, yeah, I'll talk about it when, when we get into the printer section, but I recommend the first thing you're going to print for your A-Net, if you do buy an A-Net, is to mod the A-Net, you know, to, to make it even better. So we'll, we'll talk about that on what mods I recommend. All right. Woo. That was a mouthful, huh? All right, Fred. Oh, oh, my turn. (laughs) Um, I went on a road trip and something to do with lighters. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah i uh i've been hearing about this event down in central florida for a bit of time now it's it's at the uh, san Velasco uh hammock state park which that alone caught my attention not only just because i'm a park ranger but because they were flying in a state park which is normally prohibited uh, oh, but they've true. been doing this event for 11 years it's well established so it's a hand-launched glider competition no motors no no rubber band, you know, high starts. It's purely just, you know, toss it up and, and do your best on flying. Um, so it's like a DLG type, right? Yeah, it's exactly DLG. So we'll go too much into it now since that was, you know, part of the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was great time. Met a bunch of people and uh, may have caught the bug for, you know, yet another aspect of the hobby. Mm, awesome. Cool. Nice. Okay, so I guess let's go into the main topic. And uh, since we're calling it 3D printers and gliders, we'll start with the 3D printers. All right. What's so a 3D, 3D printer? Yeah. So what's a 3D printer? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a printer. A 3D printer. Prints three-dimensional. <laughs> yes. It's a printer that prints in three dimensions. Yes. Uh, well, actually, it prints two dimensions and then moves up one and then prints another two dimensions. Um, so first of all, 3D printers, right? The, the most common type are going to be the... Uh, FFF type, right? I forgot what it stands for. Some fused filament. Fanfold foam? No, no. Close. But it has to do with filament and fusing because that's how it does it. It takes a 2D image, right? Basically, um, and it keeps on layering it layer by layer and layer and just kind of printing upwards. Um, yeah. So I explained it as, imagine a hot uh, glue gun mm-hmm. and building up a layer of something by squeezing the hot glue out to uh, to, to form it up. Yep. Yes. And it's funny because they actually make 3D printer pens, which you can yep. do exactly that. It looks, it's, it basically acts just like a, a hot glue gun, but the uh, instead of glue, you're you're you know extruding uh, plastic or filament, and it actually hardens really quick. So you could actually kind of just draw a line, and it'll <laughs> kind of come out as a line. It's it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, FFF stands for fused filament fabrication. Fabrication. That's it. And then there's FDM. Also, mm-hmm. and then STL, right? I don't know what FDM stands for. Or fused de- deposition modeling. Okay. 
Hmm. I mean, the most common ones are going to be the FFF and the STL, which is like stereolithograph um, printing. And that one's a cool one. Like, that's like total, you know, T2, like this, like, mode, just like this thing coming out of a liquid, out of this epoxy liquid that a laser will actually shoot in certain spots to harden that um, epoxy or whatever the, the material is. And it'll come out like being an Eiffel Tower or whatever design you're uh, creating. Now, yes. back in the day, those STLs were, the models were highly detailed, but they were a lot weaker than the FFF type. I think that's probably changed because I think they've gotten, they've made some advancements in the actual um, filament material that they use now. But okay. I didn't really look too much into that. But our basic like hobbyist is going to use an FFF style. Yeah, that's what we can afford. Each one. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean there is a few other kinds where, uh, you know, you that you you print, you actually fire lasers into like a, a flour substance, and you can get your part yeah. out of that. Um, and but, colored parts, like it's like multiple colors and stuff. It's crazy that stuff that you yeah. Can do with that. Well, now I saw just recently. Uh, I think it was uh, some CES reviews that I saw where there's four, kind of like a printer where there's four extruders or four feeds coming into one extruder and it mixes the colors so it can actually print in colors. Hmm. From from what I saw, the, uh, the 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 results were amazing. I don't I don't know exactly how it works, but it, cool it was though. it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I think about it like like uh, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, like in the fifties. It was something to have a TV, and then like a couple years went by, and everybody had a TV in their home. Yeah. And then in the eighties and nineties, it was something to have a computer, and then everybody had a computer in their home. And I think the same thing's going to happen with three D printers. I think eventually everybody's just going to have one. Yeah, I mean, there's still a little ways to go because it, it still is like um, yeah. a DIY type of um, printing. It's not your laser jet or your desk jet, you know, ink printer, right? It's not as simple as you plug and play. Some of yeah. them are getting to that point, but those are pretty expensive, and it still doesn't always print perfectly. So honestly, mine was pretty close to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about the different types. Um, so first of all, the one of the things about printers is the filament, right? You have different types of filament, but you also have different sizes. So let's talk about the one point seven five millimeter compared to the three millimeter um, filament sizes. Those have become more of the standard sizes of uh, FFF type of 3D printers. Right. My old Thingomatic, Thingomatic, sorry, not Think, Thingomatic from MakerBot, that was a, a DIY kit. It was made out of wood and laser cut frame. Um, that was 3 millimeter. Now, the new one I got is, is 1.75, and it's, it's, you know, I don't know. For me, I don't know which would be better. I personally like the 1.75 better. And I'll, I'll kind of give my thoughts on it, but let me hear yours, Kevin. Well, since I started with the the Lutzbot Mini, or the mm-hmm. Lulzbot Mini, yeah. a couple of years ago now, that's a three millimeter machine, okay. and that has a 0.5 millimeter nozzle head in there that came with it. I I don't know if I can swap it for anything else. The 1.75 uh, that I just built and got running last year. Mm-hmm. Um, that has a four, a point four millimeter nozzle in it, mm-hmm. and basically they can both do the same thing. What I see as the difference, um, the one point seven five can do more finer prints. I mean, do you think it's 
Do you think it's just because it's uh, the point four versus point five? You know, I don't. I don't know if it's because of that. I mean, I can't really tell. I I can definitely see that when it does its first layer, maybe might just be settings that I have in there. When it does the first couple layers, I can definitely tell it's it's smaller. But if I'm gonna build something like I was talking about the the headphones, the headphone stand I'm gonna make, I'm definitely doing that on the the bigger machine because it's gonna take less time to print. Um, mm-hmm. Even though it's a little bit bigger, you right. know, it's gonna take less time to to print that, and I'll just use that machine for for printing that out. And I have to say that, and I think I've mentioned this before on the show, the, the I'm glad I bu- bought that as my first one, even though it was about twelve hundred dollars and still is now. Uh, the, wow, the beds, I didn't know it was the, that much. Yeah, the bed size isn't that huge either, um, and there's no there's no SD card. I just wanted something that was tried and true that I didn't have to really mess with that much as my first printer. And believe me, I've printed a lot of stuff out of that. It was great to do that as my first printer, and then I printed parts out for the second one. And the second one was definitely more of a tinkering thing, and we'll get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it's a Prusa clone, and it's it's you know we're hobbyists, and and we understand that yeah, if you pay for just for the parts, you're gonna have to put it together, and you're gonna have a lot of issues, and you're gonna have to go through all those issues if you want to yep. get results out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one of the things I didn't want to. There's already a, a learning curve with with loading software up on it, you know, what programs to use, all this stuff we're going to get into. And I didn't want to have to go through that as my first printer. So that's why I went and bought something like that. And I didn't yeah. mind spending the money. Yeah. Um, I actually was going to get their Taz 5, I think, at the time. That's the bigger Ed, one, right? That's the bigger one, yeah. This this one that I have can do roughly 130. I, I can do 150 by 150. I could probably do 160 by 160 if I if I pushed it. The, the larger TAS-6 now that's out now it can do like a foot cube, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as, it's, as it's printed. That's the one Ed bought, Ed Johnson from the RC Heli Hooligans. Yep. And and the the great thing about this printer is, you know, aside from the head being dirty, it does a calibration every time it prints. It's written into the G-code. It cleans, it, it cleans the nozzle. It does its little calibration and unless it's unless something's stuck on the on the head and it slams down in what it what it does is it it uses a you know it, it tests continuity between the head itself and and the bed four points on the bed and then it just it does its adjustment from there as it prints um, okay so self leveling yeah and aside from it like i said having something on there i've had it where it's had something on the and and it can't do the 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 fine tune like continuity it's slamming down into the points Mm-hmm. And then it's using that as a reference. You can usually tell, you know, what numbers you're supposed to have as you're if you if you bring up the terminal as it's as it's going through it. You can you can really just set it and forget it, you know, um, which is great. I, I really like that as my first printer. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I don't think we we wrote this down, but um, you know, you can print PLA and and ABS are the two big ones. I mean, they have others now, PETG, yeah. but. When I first got this thing, I was going back and forth from PLA to ABS like crazy and to the point where I clogged the nozzle up and I just pulled the nozzle out and cleaned it with uh, acetone and then put it back in after a day of it sitting. But uh, it's been great, man. I printed a lot of stuff in ABS for my charging case. I printed the whole connecting pieces for that giant SE5 that I built all with that little LUTSPOT Mini. The only reason I wanted to build something larger was to to print the planes out that we're going to talk about. Yep. Okay, so 
let's let's go over the difference between ABS and PLA. Because those are those are the two um, main filament types. Obviously, there's nylon, there's PETG, there's carbon fiber infused PLA, wood fiber infused PLA. Like I mean, there's just a whole right. slew of different type of materials. But the the main stuff that people are gonna get that you can buy at like your local computer place or Amazon. Um, you're gonna see a varying types of manufacturers building. I mean, you know, making the PLA and ABS types. So PLA, um, I don't know what it stands for, but basically, it's your um, I don't know. It's I think it's it's not oil based. It's it's like a different type of uh, plastic. It's a vegetable based. That's yeah, the, right. It's the most common one for starting out. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most common one. It's not. It it's it has a an extruding temperature around I think two one eighty to two forty I think or two thirty. Yeah. That's the average and the thing about PLA is uh, it's easy to print and easy to get good prints, but they don't often last the longest, and it's not good with heat. Like direct sunlight will affect it. Um, we'll actually have uh, quite a bit of warpage and like sag and stuff when, you know, when it's in direct sunlight. So, um, and this is important for when you're doing your planes, right? You know, right? <laughs> you don't want to, you know, spend like I don't know. Let's just say fifteen hours, twenty hours printing out a plane. And then another ten hours putting it together and gluing it and putting your electronics in, and then you throw it up in the air and it's like, cool, it flies great. You land it, you sit it on the ground, and then you come back thirty minutes later and it's like the wings are touching the floor it's and drooping. Yeah, yeah, you know, your tail is falling off. Your vertical stabilizer looks like it's you know, I don't know, <laughs> just bent to one side. Like, so yeah, you know, PLA has that tendency, and you have to be careful about that. Uh, ABS, on the other hand. Extrudes at a much higher temperature. I think it's anywhere from 200 to like 250, 260. You can go with, yep. and with PLA, I mean with ABS, it's it's less susceptible to like melting, um, you know, indirect sunlight or heat affects the less because it extrudes at a higher temperature. It's used to that heat. Which I don't understand, dude. I don't understand why, like a 90 degree day will affect PLA when it's extruding at. We're saying. You know, we're saying 190 to 210, that's Celsius. I mean, that's like 400 degrees. So why is it, why does it affect PLA? I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, it's one thing to extrude like a glob of plastic, right? To melt a plastic so it's pliable. But then when, when it actually lays it down, it's pretty thin, you know, like the shell, you know, we'll talk about it. On, on these planes are 0.4 millimeter, right? So it's, it's more yeah, than half, you know, so it's like it's not a lot of material that's that's actually there. So the sun might not be 400 degrees on it, but, you know, 100 degrees would melt it. And getting back to ABS, ABS, uh, I wanted to say, was like your like your commercial grade plastic, like mm-hmm. Leg- Legos or ABS and, yep. you know, your phone case, anything you want to um, use a lot. And it has conditions where it's going to be like wearing um yeah, it's definitely more I durable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For my personal preference, I don't, you know, PLA has less tendency of curling. And that's when you, you know, when you print something on the bed. Yes. And as you're printing, as it get higher and higher, uh, first of all, you need a heated bed. So that's one thing right off the bat. PLA, you actually don't need a heated bed. You can keep your bed cold and it should still stick to it. Um, There's tricks to make it stick for sure, which we'll go over, but. There's different ways, you know, 
you could get something to stick without heating the bed. While ABS, you need a heated bed. It has to be usually around 100 degrees Celsius to keep that um, plastic stuck on there. And the other thing with that is that even with the heated bed, the corners curl. So usually you have to run a, a raft or a brim around your 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 you know your item that you're printing, right? So that it curls that and not the actual um you know part that you you're printing. Well, and, the brim the brim is for to hold your your whatever you're printing down to the. It gives it more layers to hold it down to down to the bed to start your first layer, and so it doesn't lift up at all. Right, right. So it doesn't lift up, and also it makes it so it's easier to pull the model. Um, your your finished product off the bed. Well, that's what a raft is for. A raft kind of puts your whatever you're printing on on like a little raft on a on mm-hmm. a. It elevates it a bit on some extruded uh, layers, which are you know like ten mil apart or whatever, five mil apart, and then so it's easier to get something off. Yeah, but but I definitely wanted to say that in be- the difference between the ABS and the PLA is that j- just like you said, if you're going to print out something like flat, like uh, I don't know, a case cover or like the top of something, uh, you know, say like a half of a Game Boy case, mm-hmm. you're going to print that down, you know, face down. You, what's going to happen is you're going to want to use PLA because PLA won't lift up. ABS shrinks a little bit more. Yes. So that's what that's what leads to the lifting up and to the curling of the edges. Mm-hmm. But there are ways around that too. I mean, uh, just recently I was on flight test forum and looking at a couple of posts on the planes that we've been doing, and a couple of guys recommended using little discs that you can kind of put in in areas where the edges are lifting up. Like when you're printing the ailerons, you know the leading edge kind of tends to lift up a little bit if you don't have more material down on the bed mm-hmm. uh, guys were using little discs and then linking them together um so if you're interested on in that you can see um go to the flight test forums and and search for i think it's under andre's uh giant spitfire the super marine yeah that he's building nice uh all right so pricing of the pla versus avs are actually pretty close together um one thing i did notice is that you know I've been buying my stuff at, at a local computer store. And what I noticed, like, I mean, it's probably just like fries or it's, it's micro center. But um, what I noticed is that the PLA is actually more expensive than the ABS. And I'm not sure why. The ABS is 15 bucks a row and the PLA, some of the PLA, depending on the color, was 15 but on the majority it was $20 a roll. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, and also the 3 millimeter was the $15 too. So it wasn't oh. just the material but also the size. Like you know, compared to the the one point seven five version. Now it might just be a supply and demand kind of deal, right? Yeah. You know, more more printers an hour being one point seven five, so that's what the demand is calling for, and that's why they can keep that price a little bit higher and and reduce the prices of the other stuff. So it could be all just that. Well, I've I, I wanted to say this earlier, like a couple shows earlier. Um, what I've been doing is experimenting. Now we're printing what we're printing out are these planes uh predominantly and they're they're really a separate animal on, on their own like they're single wall i'm printing with no fan and a higher heat temperature than the yep. a than the pls <laughs> uh manufacturer recommends yeah to to get the good adhesion between mm-hmm. the layers so for that case for that um uh, you know g code file i have it set 
where I'm using, I've tried a couple of different brands, and what I found that is without changing any settings, I've had I've come across some problems like like that you had, Steve, and I've actually had where one side of the the model will have great adhesion and the other side won't. The other side I can put my finger right through. It's kind of strange mm-hmm. with different filament. And I've tried I, before. I before I kind of like went through the experimenting of different filaments. I tried to change settings to where you know start each layer differently. Uh, I've done, done a few things like that. What I found is that. Uh, one particular brand, Hatchbox, seems to work great for me. Where some of the cheaper stuff with the same exact G code settings uh, just doesn't work for me. And I've yep. kind of done some research, and, and guys will tell me, yeah, that's and especially the uh, 3D Lab guys the, in their instruction manual, they said, you know, if you go through all these troubleshooting tips and you still can't get it to print right, maybe try switching uh, filament companies, filament brands. Yes. So not all filaments are the same. Right. And learn from my mistake. And like I said, Steve, I wanted to say this like a couple episodes ago. Buy one color, uh, you know, from that manufacturer or that brand and try it out. Um, Because what I did was I bought three different colors and I said, Mm -hmm. I can get it to work. And I couldn't get it to work. And so I, I'm back to Hatchbox, and Hatchbox is kind of expensive. Hatchbox is now between twenty two dollars and twenty seven dollars a okay. roll. So you're saying thirty percent more cost? Yeah, yeah. So well, well, let's talk about that. So I mean, you know, we have like let's just pick one type of filament, right? Let's just pick PLA. Now PLA, the the reason why there's different quality is um, it's plastic. So even though you're taking this plastic and putting it through the extruder and melting it and, you know, um, printing something with it. The the actual filament itself can vary in diameter. Right. Um, when they get extruded from the big block of plastic that they're melting to, you know, extrude out this, this basically a thread, a 1.75 millimeter thread of, of plastic. So, so if there's variations in the diameter, that's going to affect your print. There's quality issues sometimes where um, you hear the filaments, the cheaper filaments actually have moisture in them. So you hear uh. like crackling and popping out of the extruder and some steam coming out. And that is a clear indication that you have cheap filament. So well, okay. th- there's that. Um, apparently, you could also get absorption by the filament. And that's something I've run into where it was fantastic at first. But with my high humidity here, um, it absorbed moisture, and when it went to print out, it was very porous. It, it was like Swiss really? cheese huh. because as okay. it was printing, it was boiling the water out of the filament, so it was right. putting holes into the, fil- into the final print. Right, right. It was just kind of gaps in there, you know, with the, the steam that's coming out. Now, I, I never really heard of a lot of issues with PLA and moisture, like, like unless it's inherently in there, um, but from humidity. Okay, that's good to know. Because I know nylon's yeah. nylon's big on that. If you yeah, have nylon, I had it happen with one of mine, and it was like halfway through the print, it all of a sudden started getting really spongy looking. Mm, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I want to mention about nylon. It's it's very it gets like that. It can it traps the humidity a lot. Um, nylon, you can die. Like that's how that's how absorption it has. How much absorption it has with. Uh, humidity and moisture that it could actually you could dye it you could tie dye a nylon 
clear nylon if you wanted to. And nylon, there's a trick with nylon is that you pre-bake it before you use it. And you actually put it in like a toaster oven or an oven for a very low temperature, like 150 or 175 for like, you know, an hour or two to burn off that humidity, let it kind of settle into as dry as, you know, filament as it can get. PLA, you don't really need to do that. Um, but I guess if you live in Florida or a very high humidity uh, places, you might want to keep that, you know, in a, in a box with a dehumidifier. They make little handheld ones for specifically for filament, 3D printer filaments that you can put in a box and let that humidity get sucked out of those things. Um, also, they make those uh, those the chemical little thingies or like they're like little sponges or whatever, and you take the top off and it basically just draws in the humidity into the, the material. I don't know if it's like the same things you get in electronics that have the little uh, silicone packets or whatever. What are but, those things, those little packets that I'm always feeding to my neighbor? Yeah, yeah, that's what those little silicone packets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feed them to your, eat yeah, yeah. yeah you, you feed them to your neighbor, your neighbor's dog if you don't like them or cat. No, know. I didn't want to say that. <laughs> no, of course not. Don't eat them. Don't feed them to any animals, please. But uh, yeah, like things like that. They make like a bigger version where it's like it's in a uh, like a little jar that you take the top off and it really absorbs all that humidity. I wonder if you could put the rolls in that freaking food like uh, saver thing that. You got your wife for Christmas that you've never used. Yeah, yeah. If you ever, and I mean, suck all the air out. If you get, if like the rolls I get, um, they're actually vacuum sealed. Yeah, I, yeah, everyone I've gotten. Yep. Yep, they're vacuum sealed. So to ensure that the moisture doesn't get in there until you need to open it, and then at that point you're opening it anyway. So it is what it is. See, I have my printers down in the garage, and I have a workbench that they're on, and underneath is where I have like my NAS and my servers and stuff like that. And it's, it stays real kind of toasty under the, under the bench there. And, uh, it's all enclosed. So I just kind of stack it all up in there and kind of stays at room temperature. Yeah. Yeah. That should work. You know? Yeah. It works good. Cool. All right. So let's talk about the, the actual 3d printer. All right. So you have your, your two different versions. You have one that's kind of, um, we're gonna. I'll call it. I was gonna. I, I don't know why I wrote kit versus DIY. Kit is a DIY, but it's more like yeah. a uh, an RTF <laughs> versus a DIY, right? So there's ones that you can get that are like built. You pull it out of a box, and you basically plug it in, and you do some calibration, and and then you know you do your first print. So yeah, it's like Fred, plug and play. Yeah, like plug and play. So Fred, you have one of those, right? You have a Hyperion, is it? Yeah, the Hyper one that uh, Flight Test was carrying for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to talk about your experience with that, like with the plug-and-play type? It was, like, ridiculously simple. Um, if you watch the episode from Flight Test on it, uh, literally it's like a two-piece component. You just have to take the the arms that hold the uh, the printer head, mount that to the, the, to the bed, and then plug in a couple of wires that have the plugs already in them, mm-hmm. so in, no soldering or anything like that. As soon as you did that, you do a, a you know you mechanically level the bed, throw your file in it, and print. Uh, yes, nice. slight learning curve. You, I mean, there's a little bit of uh, a learning curve on on getting the bed properly leveled. Yeah, uh, um, and then you get to play a little bit with the uh, temperature settings to find mm-hmm. out what works best for you. But other than that, mine was just success right out of the box. Nice. Yeah. So we'll talk about all those. The learning curve aspect, because that's that's going to come into more of like 
your the software, the terminology, um, different things like that. But okay, so so you took it out of the box. You put a couple of module components together, and boom, you pretty much had a three D printer ready to go. Um, the other option is like, well, I guess there's two two options, right? So there, after those, so there's probably three, I guess. But my option was the DIY one, right? You buy a kit. The kit comes completely disassembled. You have a bag of screws, a bag of, you know, mine was made out of acrylic, bag of acrylic pieces. Then you have your rods and your extruder and all your stepper motors and your the brain, the LCD screen, your power supply, all that stuff, all separate. And you have to plug them all in. You got to put it all together. You got to wire it all up neat so the wires aren't chopping itself off with the different movements. Um, there's these little micro switches that you use to, to do your endpoint stops. Um, and then like wiring them up to the power switch, the power supply and all this stuff. Right. So it's complete, like, you know, you have a bag of parts you put together. And my experience with that is it's a pain in the butt. Um, <laughs> if, I mean, it's probably not as pain in the butt as what I'm going to describe next, which Kevin went through building his, because he actually fabricated all those parts. But, um, it's a pain in the butt as far as like the instructions you get, right? The one I got was one hundred fifty six dollars. It was it's an it's an Anet A eight I Prusa I three uh, Prusa I three clone. So it's not even like an original kit. It's a clone, so it's basically a knockoff. And a knockoff, you know, you're not gonna get the support and the type of instruction manual you expect from you know the direct manufacturer, right? So I'm looking at this thing. The instructions were. I mean, it came with a little SD card and a reader, which was great. And all the instructions were on there in PDF form. But it was basically just pictures. It didn't tell you what to do. It was just pictures. And there's three parts laid out. And this is what the three parts look like together. That's about it. You know? The wiring diagram was rudimental at best. Like, it didn't really... I mean, I had to YouTube most of this stuff building. So, so that's one thing good about the DIY, especially this kit, is that it's been out there so long that there's uh, a lot of YouTube videos on the build, on the build process, um, how to build it and stuff. Um, so that helped a lot. But it's definitely a hobbyist kit. It's not something, you know, um, if you're not good at building stuff, if you're like, I just go and buy my planes or helicopters built and I, I put a battery in there, charge it and fly. I don't think this would probably be the first, you know, the right step. I think buying the ones that are almost plug-in, the, the plug-and-play ones would be a better option to start out with. And then once you have some experience with that, then, you know, if you're a second printer, you want to do a DIY. Yeah, exactly what I did. Like, if you're if you're that type of guy where you don't want to mess with even putting it together or anything like that, uh, get one like Fred had where he had to put the, the stand-up, rise-up, you mm-hmm. know, vertical piece. Uh, ships with the horizontal piece kind of together and you just got to like you know put them 90 degrees to each other and make sure they're square and then go to town or you can do like i did which was the mini was completely together there was no nothing i had to do with that except take out the packing you know pieces that stopped everything from moving around while it was shipping yeah and that, i had that thing 20 minutes after i got that i was printing something with that but then you're gonna pay for it, right? I mean, you you said that little Lowe's yeah, bar exactly. was twelve hundred bucks. I mean, that's almost like eight of these things I could have, you know. And yeah. this has a bigger platform. 
I, I don't know if it prints any better. I wouldn't say it prints better or not, but I mean, you know, having a bigger platform does matter. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that when we get into the play section. Yeah, um, I would say that, you know, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm personally, I'm glad I did it that way. Um, mm-hmm. Just because if I would have had to go through what I went through to get this second one going, I don't know if as my first one, if I would have done it or not. Right. Right. Um, I'm sure you learned I, a lot, even though it was all built. I started to lot. build a CNC machine maybe about eight years ago, and I got as far as the base. And that's, that's so that might be as far as I got with a 3D printer mm-hmm. that I would be building on my own. Yeah. But, yeah, if you want me to go into that, I can, I can tell you um, I sat through about six videos uh, of a guy on YouTube whose name I mentioned it before. Thomas mm-hmm. Thomas Sandlander. It's S A N L A D E R E R. He does a lot of stuff. Uh, if you if you just YouTube, if you Google search YouTube Tom's, I'm sure it'll pop up. Tom's 3D.org, I think, is his website. Also, um, he had about six live videos of him building this Prusa clone, and like you said, Steve, it comes where I had to buy each thing separately. Yeah. Um, down to the you know the threaded rod, I had to cut all that. Um, I had to get all the little clips for the the NEMA seventeen stepper motors. Mm-hmm. I had to three D print a lot of the parts that hold everything together, and I had to download uh, PDF plans and you know tape them together like a flight test plan, and right. then put it on wood and cut out the wooden frame, and and it's got a wooden bed that you know is specific for the sliders and all that, and then there's a cheap little heated bed for that um it's running on arduino that has a a, a ramps 1.5 board on top of it that does your stepper control and i will get into that but i mean everything from loading the the brains of it onto the arduino and using the slicing software and the the uh you know the operation software it was all free yep so i probably spent the same amount you did um mm-hmm. but the experience doing it was 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 great man i mean i'm i was shocked when i first started printing and i was having issues with retraction and stuff but when i first started printing and it was actually printing i was i was amazed i could not believe that my dumbass put this all together and it actually worked i was shocked man <laughs> yeah no it's i mean and it's quite a feat to do that it's like you look at it and you know it's complicated it's not three printers aren't like simple you know things yeah. like oh and i'm over here kind of laughing because you guys are much more knowledgeable about a wider range of 3d printer topics mm-hmm. because you've had to fight your way through it sure there's mine, a learning curve yeah mine was like almost push button so i'm an idiot i i just i've put my file on there it prints i don't have to learn any extra stuff um <clears> so maybe i need to build one so i can be smart sound like you guys well i mean in turn i mean kevin kevin it's a lot smarter in this aspect because he he went through it on his own to like learn how to put it together watching a video and stuff. I, I gained a lot of this experience because at my job I you know with two other folks I taught a three D printing class. So oh, we, really? we taught I didn't people, know that. Yeah, we taught people how to use a MakerBot, how to use a, a AltaMaker, and we had printer bots. How to use the different ones, and and even involved into the laser cutter. That's why I have access and experience on on the the carbon laser cutter that we have over there but 
that that's that's where I got mine. I, I learned them from these two guys who are you know they were the office hackers, so they kind of did this type of stuff and taught this stuff, and I just kind of jumped in and and worked with them and learned this stuff. So you know, a lot of my experience is it's actually because of work, um, more or less than like personal drive to learn this stuff. <laughs> I mean, I still had to obviously want to learn this stuff and do it, but you know, Kevin. Actually, like, had no guidance, you know? <laughs> he had to just, like, figure it out himself. So, Yeah, and I had I had probably four days where, you know, I loaded the software up and it started moving, and then there would be an issue with, like, why is this not working? And I, it would take me a couple of days to go through it. I mean, I can remember being down there in the basement for, like, a couple of nights after work just trying to figure out what's going on with this thing. And uh, I eventually got it. It just it amazed me all the way around. I mean, it amazed me that uh, you know that guy Tom took the time to put these videos together, which are just you know, like I said, they're live videos of him building it, and there's chat and all that. And then it amazed me that somebody wrote the code for the Arduino, and it's massive, and and it was all free, you know. And then there's the controlling software that's free. Uh, just crazy, man. Yep, yep, yep. Now, now let's just. I mean, when we talk about free stuff, it, it is free. Um, and three because it's open source, right? Right, right. Yeah. So, so there you have uh, the community, just like flight tests, and just like all the other communities that are specific towards something. Um, you know, putting their time in to develop something to what it is now. So, you know, any open source project, you know, a lot of people hear that, and you know, they don't really know what it is, or it's kind of some like buzzword. But basically, it's it's a community driven project that. You know, you have these smart individuals that take their own personal time to invest in, in this project of making, you know, the programming and the code so they could put, you know, what I have in this little board onto an Arduino. So, yeah, I mean, you can look cool. at it the same way that Flight Test uh, was doing their stuff because, uh, it, it, like you said, it is an yeah. open source and it's all community based, right? Mm-hmm. The guy's last name is Prusa that came up with that printer and he basically. Yeah, said here's all of the STL files. If you guys want to make your own, you print your own, and so he put it all out there. And I mean, if you want to buy his kit with his customer support and his yep. great print bed that he has, I mean, I don't think you can buy them separately. They only come with the kit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they start out at about three fifty or five hundred dollars. I mean, the latest That's one not I was too looking bad. at was Wait, a that just for, for the, the That's for, for the, the Mark Three. Right? Yeah. yeah. The kit. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because when you think about it, like when you buy your your Lowe's bot, you know, the the really the first consumer based um 3D printer I'm gonna say is the MakerBot. That like kind of started like making yeah. waves. You know, they had the the you know the thingomatic, which I think was called like CakeBot too, CakeBot. But um, you know, when it was like a project base, and then it became the um the thingomatic. But then they started doing the replicator, the replicator two, and the replicator XL, and then you know all these uh, different versions of the the MakerBot line, and they were like two, three grand. We have yeah. a we have a two XL that's uh, MakerBot two XL replicator two XL. It's a dual head extruder, so you can run two filaments at the same time, um, two different types, or however you want to alternate it. Uh, and it's like that thing was like twenty five hundred bucks. <laughs> like that's not something you know i would want to spend that much money on you know like for a 3d printer that's so experimental um you know? yeah i can remember looking at that when i was 
in the market, which was a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. I remember there being a flash flash forge one that was roughly about two grand. I went through a lot of Amazon reviews, and what really sold me on this Lutzbot brand was another guy on YouTube who I watched religiously, uh, and his name was James Bruton, and this guy is now in the Guinness Book of World Records at at this point in time for printing out the largest freestanding statue. It was a statue he scanned himself, and it's like twice the size of himself. So it's like I don't know, it's, it's about that. Wait, and it was one three print? times the size. No, no, no. It's oh, very, it's a lot together? of sections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, whoa, together. Huge three D printer. If he's printing that in yeah. one shot. <laughs> but he uses he used um the Lutzbot brand, the mini and the uh-huh. Taz five at the time. And he was doing thousands of hours of printing. Yeah. Like he 3d printed his own R2D two. I mean like one to one scale R2D two. Wow. He did three different versions of the BB eight droid. Uh, the guys, guys a genius. I think well, now yeah. he's actually working for a, 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 a toy company. Uh, he's in, he's in England. Um, and he's on that, you know, the other guy, Colin Ferguson, is it? Co- not Colin Ferguson. Colin, Colin Ferguson, comedian? <laughs> no, the other guy, Colin, that's always blowing up something on YouTube. Yeah, he, yeah, He yeah. did the ramjet, like, bicycle and stuff. and all uh-huh. the, He's the, always got fireworks and stuff. And, yeah. Well, the, he's the at in the backyard or what it was. The... Yeah, yeah, yep. He's teamed up with him every now and then to do a couple of YouTube shows. So I know he's in, in England. Uh, just an incredibly smart guy, man. Uh, but like going through some of the printers when I was in the market, um, you know, I look at the Da Vinci, you and I, Steve went out to yep. with Jeff, we went out to the maker fair in, 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 uh, New York, New York mm-hmm. there. Yep. And, uh, I, there was, I'm trying to find it now. There was like a single arm 3d printer that was about, I don't know, five or $600 that I almost bought. Um, I think it was the print bot. Um, yeah. that made it or print bot or printer bot there's one printer bot yeah it's yeah. like with no e just yeah print r bot yeah mm-hmm. yeah i almost bought that one i mean and then you got just everybody and and their mom making these things now so i mean definitely you have your pick um you know if if we were to recommend one i would recommend this a8 um you or know. that style, yeah. That style, the Prusa style, Prusa style, or the the, the, the tan, what's the tarantula, tarantula one? You know, there's there's the style, and then there's the other one, right? The one that's like a triangle. It's three. Uh, the Delta printers, the deltas, yeah. yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend. The only problem with the deltas is uh, you get a large, you know, vertical print, but I don't yeah. think your horizontal is is that can be. No, that big. your Y and X axes aren't that big. They're usually like. At the max, one fifty millimeter, um, but then it's, you can print up to like four hundred millimeters. Hot, hot, you know, high yeah, size. it's it's really what you want to print. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about bed size real quick. Um, you know, your low spots. You said it was about one fifty by one fifty by one fifty cube, right? Or one fifty. Yeah, cube. I could look up. I could look up the actual. Yeah, I mean, more or less. Like you're talking about. Okay, you know, that's that's what that is. What is one fifty? Uh, I'm pretty sure from my experience, it's about eight inches by eight inches. I think. Okay. The one I was going to buy was like six by six. Yeah, they. Oh, they. they I'm sorry. It's six by six by six inches high um, on the mini. Um, but I can actually get that to go bigger, only because um, there's a little safety. You know, you you can print to the edges. 
You just have right. to tell you could, your machine. You could, yeah, you can push your G code to the edge. Yeah. The uh, the six is um the Taz six is about twenty two hundred dollars and that one is uh eleven by eleven by almost ten inches high. Wow. Which is which is quite big when you think about like I've done a lot of stuff on the mini. Uh mm-hmm. and now with the the one that I have that's a little bit larger, um, like it's probably eight by eight, uh that seems to suit my needs perfect for the planes that we're printing out. Yeah, yeah. So so the eight the one I have, right, the A net A eight, um right. is it's basically eight point six inches. It's two hundred and twenty millimeters um square on the X and Y, so you're two dimensional. Okay. And then on the Y axis, on the Z axis, the height of it, you could get up to uh, about nine inches. So it's like 240 millimeters. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, anything I want to print for the most part, that's more than enough. Like even the planes, you know, I'm, we're playing, I'm, you know, we're building this, what, uh, I think it's a 56 inch uh, edge, right? Like an edge 540 type of um, airplane, 3D plane. And the nose oh, is that cone, what the wingspan is on this? Yeah, forty six point seven or something like that. Wow. And the nose, the nose, you know, the first print is I'm doing is the nose of the fuselage, right? And that's got to be like a good three inches tall, three inches wide, two and a half inches, you know, um, height, I guess, from the bottom of the wing. I mean, bottom of the plane to the top of the fuselage. It's it's a decent size. It's a pretty big size of plastic. Um, yeah. You know, I think something the two twenty, like the eight inch bed size around there, is like ideal for any type of print job you're you're trying to do, hobbyist wise, and and you know just for for creativeness. Like, um, you know, I printed out like this little you know dragon for Chloe, and she she loves this little thing. And it's crazy, you know. I, you get this little dragon thing out of uh, out of this printer, and it's free. Like, I'm not free, but you're printing it out, so it costs you just like once you buy the printer and all this stuff, just filament costs, which isn't too bad um no surprisingly the filament is uh pretty cheap yeah i think uh for the amount of yeah the amount of prints and the amount of things you can get out of a roll i think it's actually pretty cheap and it's gone down a lot because several years ago i would say like two three two years ago you know your standard they go by weight so it doesn't matter if it's 1.75 or three millimeter it goes by overall weight of the filament and it's you know you're talking about uh, one kilogram or two point two pounds roll is was around fifty sixty dollars, and the, the more like oh, wow. higher end quality brands were eighty to hundred dollars a roll. Now wow. it's in the fifteen to thirty dollar range. So I mean that's a third of what it used to cost. You know, so it's quite impressive how the prices of these. And you know, we got more manufacturers making it. Your supply and demand, and just people having the. Um, you know, having the option of which brand it can go with dictates the price being, you know, more competitive. So, Hey, speaking of filaments, have you ever heard of somebody printing with the, uh, not fishing line, the line they use for the weed whacker, weed whacker cord? No. I've heard that no. kind of in passing, but I've never actually seen anybody do that. I mean, the weed whacker cord, I guess some of it is like the filament, but most of it's kind of braided, isn't it? Like the stuff no. that I get are braided. No, no it's just sure. a, it's just a roll. Yours yeah. just a roll. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't think. I don't know what that's made out of. It's probably made out of ABS or that type because it has to be yeah. pretty strong. Um, 
I guess. I just feel like it wouldn't be very uniformly. Uh, the quality wouldn't be there, right? Because you don't need it to be perfectly 1.75 millimeter to use it on a weed whacker. The weed whacker don't care. They'll no. just. You the know. weeds don't care. Yeah, They're the going down. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I can see that creating good print jobs. Maybe it's cheap, but is it cheap? Because I remember buying a little roll for my, my you know, weed whacker, and it was like five bucks for a couple of feet. It wasn't, you know. Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I can. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why. I mean, maybe in a pinch, if you don't have anything available and you really want to print something. I just, I just, I don't know. I don't feel like that's a very viable, um, you know, option there. All right, kids, don't try that at home. Yeah, yeah, just just buy proper filament. You'll you'll notice yeah, it's, that it's cheap nowadays. So maybe yeah. it was something back in the day when it when they yeah. started with it. When it was you know eighty dollars a roll, you're like screw that. I'll I'll buy yeah. that cheap set you know at Home Depot. <laughs> All right, so. Okay, uh, so we talk about filament. We talk about the printers, putting them together, um, the different types of printers. Now, why don't why don't we discuss like the, the difficult parts, right? We're talking about um, the terminology. That's pretty difficult, I think, to first learn because you're talking about something where you know you have. Okay, so let's talk about the file formats right off the bat. Um, most 3D modeling um, slicer programs, right? So a slicer program, go over that real quick, is it's a program that's going to take um, a 3D model rendering and basically make it, put in a language that the 3D printer can understand, which is G-code. And basically it gives instructions per layer as it's printing. It prints one layer, moves up a little, prints the second layer, moves up a little, third layer, and so on and so on and so on. So you can't just take a 3D model and say, you know, put it on an SD card and put it in the printer and say print because it doesn't know how to interpret the layers. Um, there's more to the G code than just the layer, you know, coordinates, right? There's also yeah. temperature settings. There's uh, speed, how much extrusion, right? How much, uh, how much filament it's going to try to push out. What is that, Fred? The, the print pattern. Yeah, the, the so infill pattern. Gonna... Well, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm, yeah. The, the the shell like see the outside of a of a three D model is is called a shell. It has like one or two or three layers of the shell, and then and then the infill, you know, it's not a solid piece. Like when you print out a, a you know, like a little dragon or or a, a little part, the inside isn't solid. I mean, first of all, that would cost a lot yeah. of money. It would take forever to print. Um, you know, so so the infill is usually a pattern that you can choose. They have. Oh yeah, and you can you can pick. You know, you could have one hundred percent infill if you want. Yeah, really yeah, you can set it. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't need to be that solid, yeah, you can put percentage of infill. Yeah, and and there's a chart that uh, we used to show in our class that you know twenty percent is your average infill. Okay, it's going to be strong enough, but. It's not like super solid. It's it's pretty lightweight, and that's another thing when we're talking about models and RC planes. Um, three, yeah. you know, it's going to be the weight, the overall weight, because you would think a three D plane would be heavy, but we'll go over it. It really isn't. It's not much heavier than a balsa plane, but yeah. So there's this infill, right? So you have your shell, then you have to fill this inside, so that way when it does the outer shell, it's not just drooping into nothing. It's not just printing into space, you know, to air, open air. So it has to put like a pattern, like usually a grid, a hexagon. They even have like 
um, smiley face infills and stuff. It's they get all wacky with the infills now, and yeah. You know, with the simplified 3D, it's you have a lot if you actually go through that list, um, and you can download more too, and and program more different types of infill. But your infill is going to fill that gap, and 20% is your average, and about 40% to 50% is where your infill, like from 20 to 50%, is a big difference. You're going to have a lot more rigidity. It's going to be more of a solid piece. It's going to be heavier, but then from 50 to 100, it's actually not that much difference because there's only so much that it can fill the infill design with the density of that infill. So as, as you get past 50%, um, it doesn't really infill much more. It does, but it just makes it heavier, and it doesn't provide any real overall strength. So usually, you can some models might ask for like a 75% infill, which is pretty much like almost a solid brick, <laughs> you know, of plastic. So... The difference also in, in print times are it's increased by so much. When you're talking about twenty minute like twenty percent infill on a say a model that takes an hour to print, now you wrap that up to seventy percent, it's gonna take about four hours. Yeah. For that same piece. And but going from fifteen percent to twenty really is only a matter of like five minutes longer. Yes. Yep. And and that's what I mean where like, you know, after a fifty percent, sixty percent infill that it doesn't really increase the strength because, you know, you, you, your printer's actually not going to take that much more time. Like that, that 20 to 30, 40% is pretty ideal and optimized for most printers. So, yeah, you know, I mean, you can try pushing it to 100%, but why bother? You're just wasting money in plastic and time, which is also money too, right? So Absolutely. Right. Uh, let's see here. So you get your printer built. You get your software loaded. Let's talk about different softwares you get. I'm using well, Cura, and that's I was going to say, I was going to say whether depending on whether you're creating the stuff yourself or you're downloading it from the interweb, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to need at least two different types of software. Yes. Like you mentioned, you're going to need a program to slice it and a program to actually design. do the printing. Well, and then there's the design program. Depending on your printer, too. I mean, okay, if you yes, have an yeah. SD, you, that, that printer's actually using a program, you know, on the SD card. Mm-hmm. Or if you're or if you're like me, I have I have a Raspberry Pi hooked up to one of my printers, and I use something called OctoPrint, which means I can just load the Raspberry Pi, and it kind of does everything. It doesn't have an SD card or anything like that. Yeah. And the same can be said for the, the other one that I built myself, but right now I have a laptop hooked up to it. And I'm using a program to run that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's talk about the software, right? You got your your slicer software, right? So what actually takes your 3D model and makes it into um, coordinates that the, the 3D printer can understand. So right. a couple of slicer softwares that you could get. Uh, the free one is Cura, or they call it Ultimaker Cura, the, the company Ultimaker that makes the, that specific type of uh, printer has a free software you can use, and, and you can use it for the i3 and, and you know, other printers because you can set it up for that. Um, you wrote some over here too, right? Well, yeah, you can. Uh, the Cura, I wanted to say, um, the Mini that I bought actually came with its own version of Cura. So mm-hmm. different companies, depending on, like, what type of printer you buy, might have specific software that's tailor-made for your printer. Sure. Probably licensed out from, you know... From the, or it's you a, know, one. Yeah, or it's a version of Cura that has, you know, 
all the settings you need for your specific printer. Yes. I, I know that Prusa has the same for, I think, Simplify 3D. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I use a program called Pronterface, which is on my laptop, which talks to the Arduino that runs all the G-code through it. Okay. And that's that's basically like a user interface between the laptop and the Arduino, making it more user-friendly. Like, I don't have to type in anything. I can just go, you know, I can click arrows, you know, move up, down, left, right, that kind of thing. Yep, yep. There's a replicator, which is the old thing matic or MakerBot software that they used to have. Now there's right. like a MakerBot software. Um, Simplify 3D is not a free one, but it's, I would say, one of the best slicer and you know, controller software, because you can run the printer right from Simplify 3D and push the code to and tell it to print. Right. And that one works really well, but it's about 150 bucks for the software. And that one, I have to say, uh, is if you're going to do these planes from uh, 3D print labs mm-hmm. or 3D lab prints, um, definitely get either Cura or Simplify 3D. Simplify 3D seems to be tailor-made for it. Yeah, um, that's what they use. the best. Yeah, that's that's what they use. That's what they support. They do support Cura to a degree, but because of the different version, like you're saying, it's hard for them to specifically kind of make it so that it's um, plug and play type of software. It's more you have to kind of try different things. So right now I have three different versions of my nose cone that I printed out with three different settings that I'm trying out to try to, you know, fix any of the imperfections that I'm getting in my print. So. So while Simplify 3D, I think you printed out one and it was like perfect. <laughs> you didn't have to mess with the, the settings too much, right? You kind of just took the recommended and, and ran with it. Well, I had to adjust a few things. Um, I noticed that when the initial layer was going down for this pl- for the planes, uh, mm-hmm. the it, it does four passes in the middle to kind of join the grid work together. I noticed that those four passes weren't weren't sticking together there was a little gap space in between so i increased the the initial layer size uh yep. and it like by a certain percentage you know so it's no longer 100 percent. it's like 103 percent, i think something like that yeah and that's another thing when we print stuff usually the first layer is thicker and more pressed in like they flow more filament on purpose to get a good adhesion get a good bond to the to your uh build plate so so you'll notice that, and that a lot of that stuff does get automatically done from your Cura or Simplify 3D software. Um, you'll see that the first couple of layers will have a, a different layer base diameter than than as you start going up. Yeah, we talk about that software now. Talking about design software, right? So actually, you want to design your own 3D models. What can you use now? There's a uh, Euro Fusion 360, right? That's one. I, I still use uh, 123D, which is no longer available from Autodesk, I think, originally made it. They make the Fusion 360, yep. which looks like a lot better program, but I'm so comfortable with 123D. It does what I need it to do, so I use it. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's SketchUp. Uh, it used to yep. be its own company and got bought up by Google. It's still a free software, but I think uh, you know Google has done what they do is try to monetize part of it or something like that. So, you, have, you know, maybe you have to buy plugins or whatever. Um, that that SketchUp program, though, you do need to buy, uh, not buy, but download a plugin to export as an STL file. So to take your 3D models that you render, build, and create into an STL file. So 
and then you still need from there you still need a slicer program to do your your you know conversion into the 3d printer language or the g code um there's one there's free ones online um that i first started with uh, which I still use for very simple design stuff, and it's Tinkercad, which actually got recently bought out by Autodesk. So oh, it's, okay. it's a free program that's all web-based, and it gives you basically, it's like the most simpler, simplest method of building a designing something. Like, you want to design something, like a phone case, you know, it gives you basic blocks and squares and triangles and circles and, you know, balls, and, and you manipulate those shapes into 3D models. And you can join them and group them together and become one solid piece. And, and you know, it's, it's a different way of doing the design work. It's not like um, where you're dr- actually drawing out each, you know, shape. It kind of gives you a shape and you can modify that shape to, to do what you need to do. And, you know, for certain builds, it, it works out really well. I was able to build a, out of 3D printed material uh, a gyroscopic camera for my motorcycle. You know, I took a gyroscope board from uh you know a gimbal for you know a quadcopter and i basically modified it so i could hold a gopro and and when my bike tilted the camera stayed level you know so giving that gyroscopic nice. view um yeah i used that t- t- uh tinkercad i mm-hmm. used that uh a few times to design some stuff early on yeah um, it works great it works great and one thing cool about it is you know you can take it saves it all online too yeah yeah it saves it all online you know you can share your project work you can upload it automatically to Thingiverse, I believe, uh, which we'll talk about later. Um, but also, you can, uh, you can uh, like, when you design something, it works with different, I guess, vendors that do 3D printing for you. So you can say, this design, I want 3D printed, and they'll tell you how much it costs, and you get that in a box. So you don't even have to buy yep. a 3D printer. <laughs> you, could, you could design or buy it, you know, and, and, get, and get the stuff and have it. Have a professionally 3D printer. You know, uh, let's see. So there's, there's definitely softwares for design, free and paid. There's, you know, you can use any CAD program would work too, you know, as long as you can make a solid enclosed um, design. You can't have anything with open ends because if it's open and the, the 3D printer, the slicing software won't know how to interpret that, the open-ended part. So say you don't want to do design at all, right? And I mentioned this just a minute ago, Thingiverse. Yep. Thingiverse. Yeah, this this place, this website is freaking amazing. I've used it quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. So, me too. you know, let's say you don't know how to design, but you want to print, I don't know, something for a quadcopter, camera mount, let's per se, right? Like, let's keep it in related to the hobby, like, or maybe a satellite mount, or you know, a satellite antenna holder, right? You go to Thingiverse, you just search it, and guess what? There's folks that design it. It's it falls under the um, open source common. What is it called? Creative Commons. Yeah, Creative Commons. Um, basically, it's it's open source, right? You can't don't profit off of it. You know, if you want to donate to the original designer, you can. There's a donate button, but it's all free stuff, and it's great because, I mean, there's stuff you could get like toys, models, just. Yeah, I've printed quite a few things off of their their website. Just silly things like I have an Iron Man like little head, like a bust of the Iron Man. Um, mm-hmm. You can you can print um, just about anything you can think of. I mean, 
cases for your iPhone and your iPad. Yeah. Uh, I uploaded uh, those little tool holders that I created. I just uploaded to Thingiverse at, at one point. And uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty awesome, man. Especially like you're saying, uh, I think Anthony needed something for his quadcopter, and I mm-hmm. I 3D printed that for him one time. I found that on on Thingiverse. Yeah. Uh, but lately, like I said before, I found the headphone stand, and uh, there's a bunch of different ones uh, stands that you could just print out. Um, but I got a great idea from one that I saw on there, and I'm designing my own similar to that one. But it's just like uh, you know. If nothing else, it's just a, an idea or a creation place where, you know, you can get your ideas, see mm-hmm. what's out there. Uh, one okay. thing I do want to print is I have rechargeable double A's and, and triple A batteries, and they're still in the box they came with in, mm-hmm. and it's sitting on my desk. And I'm going to 3D print uh, a little dispenser for those. Um, yeah. Because uh, they make some really nice ones that, uh, you know, double A, triple A, and uh, clean up this this box because i know on one of these days i'm going to knock that box over and i'm going to go all over the place yeah yeah and you can do a youtube search for you know the the five of the best things uh you could 3d print and you can find some some really uh good ideas there's a guy called makers muse who i watch a lot he uses simplify 3d i wanted to say this earlier so i've i've had a lot of tips and tricks from him uh to tweak the settings that i I have Mm mm-hmm and we've we've mentioned uh the other guy um that 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 has a there's there's a few planes on uh on Thingiverse that are yep. free that that you can actually print out and try yep. try and there's uh, a wing get them to fly. Yeah. Um yeah. so so one thing to mention about Thingiverse is, you know, uh, we do have to give credit to MakerBot Industries because that's their site. That's how they got, you know, designers and, and folks to to you know um share their designs oh, i didn't know that was their site yeah yeah so, there's a few other sites out there too there I've are only there's been some to... paid sites too for some crazy crazy stuff too mm-hmm. oh is there yeah i've i've been to my mini factory uh but i haven't been to um a couple of the other ones i just did a quick search um there's a uh, yegi <laughs> y-e-g-g-i mm-hmm. that one i've i think i've been to that one too um and then there's Pin Shape and Cults 3D. I don't know about the paid one that you were talking about, though. But if you just do a quick search on on Google, man, uh, you can find a, a bunch. Cubify, My Mini 3D, GrabCAD, DefCab. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I've I forgot the name of it. It's it's been so long. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool because you have all these you know folks contributing and designing stuff and you can just find a whole bunch of stuff like you could spend days in thingiverse yeah. downloading like okay i want this thing i want that thing you know so what's your what's your site like how do you how do we find you on thingiverse so that way if people want to get that tool holder you're talking about and the yellow tool oh, boy. pictures is it like flint something here. or what yeah probably kevin flynn and p- paste post it up on the facebook page okay you ask yourself what would i print with it and you find mm-hmm. out what you get it. You print a lot of stuff. I yeah. mean, like like I said, tool holders or um, you break a piece for something. Yeah, did you print out gears? I printed out. Truck I did. I printed out. I printed out a pinion gear for my um, for my RC car, a little Wraith, mm-hmm. uh, the XL Wraith, and it, it's it's been working great. Now I had a, I ended up taking the file from somewhere else and modifying it to work, but uh, yeah. 
I, I printed out a, a gear. Nice. <clears throat> so, all right. You get your 3D so printer. I'm oh, sorry. Go it, if you want to find me on Thingiverse, I only have the two out of the uh, five different tool holders that I designed up there. Um, just go to Thingiverse.com and type in Flynn1967, and you'll see it pop up, Flynn's tool holders. Uh, for Loctite and CA, that one actually oh, I see it. Um, people have commented on. Even Kenville Hobbies is in the picture. Nice. But, yeah, I'll link that to the um, on the Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. look, hold on. I got to go look now. I got it. I got oh, it here. Boy. And the other one is for your five cheesy E Flight tool holder mm-hmm. tool set, which worked pretty good. And you can see I have my little, um, what do you call that? My little right angle. I have a slot for that in the back there. But I, I printed one that holds the, the, uh, the other tool set that I have, and then some screwdrivers and. Well, you know what I need is I need the one for a Loctite because I have so many bottles of Loctite and like yeah. they, you know, or like the tube ones, and they just like lay on the floor and I, I don't know, like not on the floor but on the table. Oh, I yeah. hate to admit, it, but that does look pretty, you know, handy. Yeah, but you know what? And Fred, if you look at it, actually, it it screws together with uh, I recessed um, the three M uh, bolts and 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 M three, yeah, oh, M3, <laughs> bolts and okay. uh, and nuts on each piece and then you can actually screw them together and on the base of it uh it's set up so you could take it just a regular drywall screw and it's like screw it down to your workbench or whatever mm-hmm. um but actually you know what we were saying before like you go into thingiverse and you're just looking around and it spawns ideas i got this idea from seeing a guy who i think was on the flight test website and used Dollar Tree foam to do exactly this. Yep. And I said, well, I could 3D print this. And, yeah. and he had it on the back of his bench. I have this kind of line in between my two benches. But, um, yeah, Fred, I could send you all these files. Or he could just download them here. <laughs> or you can download them here. <laughs> and well, give you a nice little, uh, you know, like. Yeah. Maybe but I, can... I I like resetting, recessing the, you know, the nylon locking nut mm-hmm. into stuff. I, I got... And what's great about designing stuff yourself and with a little bit of like trial and error, you can actually get that size to be really to work really good for your printer. Uh, and I say it like that because I've noticed that on different printers printing out the same STL files, sometimes it's a little bit, it could change a little bit. Yeah. Um, but once you're set up, man, I have, I still go back to the file that has the bits in it for this, and I called it bits. And it's just your, you know, the size of your head for your M3, you know, bolt, and it's the size of your locking nut for your M3 nut. Yep. And it works great. Once it's set, it, it works awesome, man. Nice. So, okay. you know, we talked about tools and building whole planes. One of the things that I don't think we did mention is um, some of the community members have put together um, scale details that you could add to your foam plane. So if you got, you know, um, well, the Pete and Pole is a good example from Flight Test. They have the 3D printable motor. Radiator. Radiator. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So Nice. That's kind of a neat feature. You can add some scale details to a, a otherwise plain foam board. Well, aircraft. you know what I used to use a lot for the Flight Test stuff is um, I, I got tired of cutting out firewalls and hinges. Oh, yeah. yeah. And not hinges, but the um, your control horns. You know, so what do I do is I 3D print my own design ones. And I, and that perfect example of, of uh, Tinkercad. 
I have a couple of designer and maybe I'll, I'll link it or upload it to Thingiverse. Um, that it was super simple and I just I did it on in that app, you know, on the fly and it and it seemed to work out good. The only part that was hard is getting the bolt pattern of the um, motor. You know, that that was a hard one. Like I think I just ended up making solid and just drill your own. Because, you know. Yeah. Little, yeah. yeah, you just screw it into the motor through the firewall anyway. So but um yeah, yeah. So it's great. Um one thing I want to talk about real quick, I know we're kinda of going long on the three D printer subject, but you know, one of the first things I did is once I built my 3D printer was to print mods for the 3D printer. Um, and yeah. I, I find that, you know, when, when you have, especially the a, Anet A8, you go on Thingiverse and you just type in Anet A8 and there's like hundreds of different things you can do. To oh, this yeah. thing. So I was, I, I recently, the couple of things I, I printed out is a, a better cooling duct for your cooling fan. So there's two fans on your extruder, one to keep the extruder motor cool, and another one to actually cool your uh, project as it's printing, so it, it you know bonds pretty quickly and, and solidifies. And you know that little things like tool holders, um, the z-axis, the screw on the z-axis of the A-net is free floating up top, and that causes inconsistencies in your layers. So they, you know, what I did is I found a model, a design of one that uses a skateboard ball bearing, and you, and that is perfect diameter, eight millimeters, um, to slide the rod in, and it, and it's like now that z-axis rod is solid; it doesn't move. It's it's mm. great. Uh, tool holders, a little wing nut, um, screw thingies make it easier to level the bed. The spool itself, right, has like a fifty millimeter hole, and the the spool holder that it comes with it, it's kind of like this like it almost looks like a prop balancer you know it's like an a-frame and yeah. you know you put your rod through the middle and you can you know kind of like a prop balancer it's like that but it you know it has a big your your spool has a big hole in the, and your the rod that you're using is an eight millimeter rod so it kind of like lumps on that and it's like you know it's not very smooth so you i printed out spool like this collar for the spool um there's just all sorts of different things you can print out to make your 3D printer even better. There's uh, belt tensioners and you know different control board covers and everything, so you don't have your electronics all exposed. So it's some, you know, one of the best things you could do is get your 3D printer, build it, mod it, and then go build yourself another 3D printer. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that way you have. I used two, to say that all the time. You know, first thing you're printing out is another 3D printer. Yeah, same thing with a CNC, right? You could print a lot of the materials you need, like the joints and stuff. Um, to build a CNC with a 3D printer, so it's, it's pretty cool stuff, you know. It, it's it's that whole customization, tinkering, and the f- fabrication aspect of of the hobby that like it really brings that out because you could do so much, whatever your mind can think of, you can pretty much build. So, which is amazing, dude. Yeah. If I had this when I was a kid, I probably would have taken over the planet by now. <laughs> I'd still be a virgin. <laughs> It'd still be a virgin. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so one of the things that well, Kevin... How do you know I'm not now, dude? <laughs> Stopped him dead in his tracks. Oh, God. Okay, first of all, you're in a band. I hope you were one of those. Oh, man. Uh, I was in the army and in a metal band by the time I was like 23. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the things you wrote, uh, which I thoroughly agree, is... When you're, you know, um, this is all experimental, right? It's not 
it's not your laser jet printer where you send a print job and it prints perfect every time. Right. <laughs> things fail. Things don't print out right. Things break. Things get out of alignment. I mean, I've already scratched my bed because my Z-axis moved on me or my stopper moved on me and it dug in. You know, like, whatever. It, it happens. So don't yep. get discouraged because I could see people easy, like, buying a 3D printer with all this great, like, inspiration and hope that they're going to print all this stuff out and then, like, have trouble with it and just sit in a corner and not use it, you know? I'll tell you, one of the biggest things I can say right off the bat is whether you purchase one that's completely assembled and mm-hmm. ready to go or you build one completely from scratch, um, when you fire it up, even after, you know, 100 prints, make sure you're 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 there for the first layer and yeah first couple layers. you're ready to shut the thing off because yeah. i've had i've had loaded wrong g code into the mini and you know it it kept crashing down or you know you can hear the belts grinding and slipping yeah because they're jumping because it, it ignored the end stops for some reason so yeah you want to be close to the off button Yes. You know, no matter what for the first print. Because once once for the first layer, once the first layer goes down and, and you could say, All right, it's it's starting to adhere, you know, or you can see everything flowing nice, then then you're you're okay. So yes. Um definitely, but you wanna definitely keep a close eye on the printer through most of the print job too. Oh, yeah. And I'm gonna explain why. Um <laughs> not me. <laughs> I know. But I mean don't you have a camera hooked up to yours? That's actually what I I'm do, gonna do. Yeah. I'm gonna have a webcam pu- plugged into mine um so yeah. I can see it. But um, I've had this experience at work. I was, you know, because I was working, it was like I went down to the 3D, you know, what we call the digital labs. And, and you know, I, I set a project to go. And it, it was a flight test project. It was something to do with planes, you know. And I was starting to print out some stuff. And a couple of layers went in. And I said, okay, it's good. I'm going to go and go back to work and do my job, right? I, I, get, I get a message on our IRC, our, you know, our corporate chat. Um, program, you know, from one of my friends who's the office hacker who manages it. He's like, dude, come up to the, the digital labs. Your 3D print's failing. And I was like, okay, what the hell? All right, let me go upstairs. Literally, it printed a couple layers out and then it stopped adhering to the, the you know, filament stopped adhering to the model itself, right? What the layers that it was printing up. So it started printing out in the air. And for some reason, when, when 3D plastic material, heated material comes out of the extruder, and it's not plug. It's not hitting like the build surface. It tends to curl up. Mm. As it curls up, it tends to yeah. wrap itself around the extruder. So now we stopped the printer, but there was a big, solid glob of plastic <laughs> covering the whole extruder and the whole heat element <laughs> and everything. We had to take it apart. What we ended up doing actually was we heated it up. So that it would melt the plastic, and then I like was scraping it off, and then I took it apart to really get down and clean the whole thing out. It was a big ordeal. So, wow, you know, save yourself some headache. Um, definitely hook up a camera or something. Um, you know, but if try to be there if you if you have the time. You know, if, obviously if you're doing something and you want to go eat dinner, go eat dinner. But you know. Um, be aware that things like that, you know, prints do fail even after the first couple of layers. They, they, you know, it's, I gotta, I gotta emphasize, it's highly experimental because they always, you know, 
it's like Murphy's Law. Like when you think everything's gonna, it's going perfect, all of a sudden you get kicked in the butt and everything fails on you. So. <laughs> Um, well, do mm-hmm. you want to talk? Let's talk about a few different failures. I mean, that's that's one of them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why it would start printing in the air unless what you're printing on previously fell over. No. Well, the so print, printing, you know, the extrusion temperature and the ambient temperature affects it a lot. If you if, yes. if that room gets cold because your AC kicked on, like you know, you have a high tendency that the next layers might not adhere to. The layers yes. that are already printed, and that's, or you open the garage door in the winter time. Yes, yep. so that's how that happened. You know, the the room, the heater went off the room, and it got colder in that room because no one uh, was in there. So okay. you know, and and basically, um, the 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 change in temperature, ambient temperature, caused it not to adhere, and then it just start. You know, the Z, the three D printer does not know what it's doing. It has these instructions, and it just goes from start to finish. So if yeah. it stops adhering, and it's just Globbing plastic everywhere, and or stringing plastic, because that happens too. Where it just you get like a couple of layers, and then it's just a ball of like loose string in the air, like all over your model. <laughs> you it's, know, it's like it, Mickey Mouse and Fantasia. Yeah, it just keeps on going. It doesn't care. You know, it's those brooms and the coating them. You know, <laughs> water pails or whatever. I should say that some of the newer printers now know if the extruder uh, filament has run out. I mean, it has okay, yeah. checkers for that. Mm-hmm. They are making them smarter. The, the I think the latest Prusa uh, has some real intelligent uh, software yep. to do checks and balances on a lot of stuff. So they are making them smarter, which is great. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely getting smarter because there's auto-leveling, and that's huge. Yeah. Because if I had auto-leveling, my, my Z-axis, even though the, the micro switch dipped down, it wouldn't it would stop it from digging into the bed, you know? So, so there's things like that for sure um, that's making it smarter. What I wanted to mention, though, before was uh, when your prints fail, you know, what happened. If you have a bed that you have to level yourself, which I think is most of them, I've noticed on this one that I built that if I get a nice, consistent feed coming out and it gets to a certain area and it either disappears or starts to flatten out or it supposed to, if it's supposed to print around you know, area around part and it kind of like does a straight line instead. That means your that section of the bed is either too high or too low. And I've actually gone yep. to where I've adjusted it as it's printing to make small adjustments and yeah. get guilty. Yep. Yeah, and it, and it seems to work fine though. It works. I mean, yeah, you know, you have to be careful, but it works. As if you're doing the, if you're doing the brim and not the actual piece, you know, first you can you can do some minor adjustments on that. Mhm. Now, Warning, do not touch the extruder when it's heated no. up. We, no. we are talking temperatures in the Celsius and in the hundreds of Celsius. So 200 degrees Celsius, instant third degree burn if you touch that extruder. Yeah, that's like 400 degrees. Yeah, um, it's like a soldering iron. You wouldn't touch your soldering iron when it's full heated, right? <laughs> it's like that. Um, not intentionally. Well, not intentionally, <laughs> but I know we've all probably... Touched it by mistake, you know, and it burns. Yeah. It instantly goes, Took! oh, wow, I have, it's puffing up and, you know, getting all. Oh, yeah, immediate. Yeah, immediately. Like, it, so be careful around the extruder. Be careful around the heated beds, too, because if you're heating it up for ABS and you're getting up to that 100 degrees Celsius, that's very hot, too. Um, you know, you could probably touch it for a, a split second before it's like, ooh, that's hot. But, yeah, you know, print, printing, printing fails. It's all experimental, you know. 
it fails because your bed's not level right, so it's not making good adhesion to the bed um, or to the next layers, or the G code gets messed up. You know, it, it happens. Um, and, or or that clogs. Yeah, clogging is your number one failure. I I think. Yep, clogging happens. Uh, and how do you how do you handle a clog, especially running PLA? It's different than it's different than uh, doing your uh, ABS clogs. There's a few ways that you can handle clogs. If you haven't ripped in frustration the the feed out, uh, mm-hmm. if it's you know you you got you got it at your 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 correct temperature and and it's not coming out, so you know it's clogged. You could try pulling it directly out, um, which sometimes will bring the clog out. You can try lowering the temperature and do a cold pull, what they call um, that. That hasn't really worked that much for me. I maybe I think it's lowering the temperature like by thirty degrees Celsius. So like. If you're printing PLA, you know, lower to like 180, 170 or, or, or a little bit lower and then try pulling the filament out. What has worked for me, um, and this is going to sound horrific, but what actually works for me on my, you know, DYI printer is I have to unscrew the the print head or the, you know, the, the, nozzle. the actual the nozzle part. And I have to heat a, a, the smallest drill bit I got up and, like, jam it in there and then let it cool down and then pull everything out. Oh, nice. Oh, I do it a little different. And that seems to work really, really well. But if if your print nozzle itself is clogged also, I've actually taken, you know, one of those little tiny butane blowtorches and, and heated it up to where I can just spill all the molten plastic out of there. That seems to work. Acetone seems to work. If you put it in acetone for like a day mm-hmm. in a glass jar, that'll, that'll work too because I did that on my Mini, and the Mini's been fine for like a couple years now. I have a little simpler one <laughs> method, but it's kind of close to that. I raise my Z-axis. So you, with the printer, you can change the position usually in either in the software or if you have an LCD screen like mine does, you can kind of go into the position screen, <clears throat> and you can move your axes. So I... Bring the extruder all the way up, and then I pre okay. I preheat the extruder to like 220 degrees, whatever you know, 200 plus. Wait for it to get super hot, and then I take a guitar string, usually a, okay. a B string. I don't know with with like nines, I guess that's probably that'd be like 10.10 millimeters, or whatever it is. However, they do the guitar string size of. Um, oh boy! Yeah, so I use like a B or an E string, and I take a, and I and I just kind of poke it into the extruder. And pull it out, and usually all that globbing stuff comes out with it. And then, okay. And then I, then I go into the programmer and go to the, the extruder stepper motor and hit push out. You know, like hit feed, and you'll start seeing like, you know, once you take that glob out, you'll see like like burnt globs coming out, and just boom, cleans it out, and that's perfect. Yeah. Um, another trick with PLA too is um, PLA tends to get dirty. Like just from you know sitting around and dust and stuff like that, and that clogs the the uh, shooter too. And they make these things where you could three D print a little like round. It holds a sponge, and what you do is you put vegetable oil in the sponge, and it actually like kind of adds a nice thin coat of vegetable oil, which makes it less likely it's gonna um, stick to the extruder and cause a clog. So that you can you can download from Thingiverse this little I don't know what it's called, but it looks like a little tube thing that you can unscrew and put a little piece of sponge in there with a couple drops of vegetable oil, and then you just put it back, um, put it together, and let and feed your PLA through that before it goes into your stepper motor into your extruder. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, and that helps wow. too. 
So we used to use that a lot at my company, and you know, it definitely brought the the um, success rate up. You know, with the print okay. job. Okay. So, so that's good to do. It's, you know, especially when when we're printing, we're printing and setting it and trying to forget it. You know, <laughs> while we're yeah. working. So, uh, cool. All right. So, who wrote this in? Ask Dave Crawford for help. Yeah, I wrote that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I did. Uh, I did post my uh, my first, you know, plain print out, and he had a couple suggestions. And uh, I've yet to try them, but I have a, a G code already set on that SD card to give it a shot. And so, ask Dave Crawford for help. Hit him up on Facebook and ask him for help. <laughs> I think we covered quite a bit on three D printers. Yeah, let's uh, let's move it on to now gliders. <laughs> and I promise we'll, we'll keep this part a little shorter. <laughs> yeah. So, so Fred, you went to an event recently, and we saw some live videos and, and pictures. Um, so, you want to go over that event with us? Yeah, I, I don't, like I said, we'll keep it brief. Um, it was an event I've heard about years ago and been meaning to get to. So, finally, you know, living up to my my theme earlier this year, where I said, you know, go to the events, go out there, and and you know, take the time to enjoy. Um, went down and met up with uh, Dan Cruz there. And uh, Crafty Dan, Crafty yeah. Dan, that's the one. And uh, he was yeah. competing. He was actually competing. This was an actual competition. Uh, and so it was kind of interesting to see uh, an event that was geared t- purely towards competition. I mean, there wasn't anything really. I mean, the off hours, but all day long, the all three days, you know, there was different heats of competition broken up by group. Uh, it was a very well organized event very structured but some of the types of uh things that they do were kind of fun with uh like they have one that's called the uh, all up last down basically where you're trying to um you, you throw you the glider into the air with a kind of a spinning motion there's a video of me trying it out on the on the facebook page you, you hold the wing by the very tip there's a little peg there to to you know keep it from slipping out of your fingers mm-hmm. and you literally like a olympic discus toss you you spin around and throw this thing up into the air yeah eog uh, style mm-hmm. yeah and so once you're up at whatever height you're able to get up to you are hunting for thermals uh, or some sort of lift either either mechanical lift or or thermal lift um so this particular competition is the one I actually kind of sort of participated in because Dan had me hold the stopwatch. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. it was quite the exciting thing for me. Um, so uh, you, they get three tries within the time period, and uh, you know whatever the length of time you're able to 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 keep the airplane in the air, you write down. So he was right around about a minute point, but some of these guys would grab a thermal and. That thing's just a speck in the air in just a couple of minutes. Uh, really? It, oh yeah, I was impressed. Um, so, have you ever seen like birds, like buzzards and vultures and stuff, circling? Mm-hmm. They're not looking yeah. for dead animals. They've grabbed onto a thermal and they're flying yeah. inside that thermal. Now they mm-hmm. have an advantage; they can feel the um, the, the air difference with their feathers. Uh, the pilots are having to look for cues. They're having to, to watch the. Um, the effect of the airplane if it tips a wing or does it does it start to actually climb and then they right. spin around trying to stay inside that that column of rising air which will move with the wind um apparently they're they've got these um little skinny flagpoles with streamers on them and they put them mm-hmm. around the four points of the box that your flight competition is in and depending on which direction each of those is pointing 
it'll kind of tell you where the thermals are relative to the to the box that you're supposed to fly or at least launch from. Okay. That was kind of a neat thing. So they have a, a, a boxed-in area, you know, 100 feet by 100 feet maybe or whatever it is. And so you're thinking, okay, they're going to fly within that box. No, these guys are wherever they can go. They just have to launch from the box and they have to land back in the box. Okay. Yeah, oh. So, yeah, so if they land outside the box, they, they don't get any of their points. Um, oh, so you don't get any points. I thought you might get, like, a penalty, but... Well, it depends on what it is. It might be a penalty or it might be a loss of points, depending on what mm-hmm. the rules are for that particular thing. Uh, I put a link up. It's uh, FAI F3K is the, the letter designation for that type of competition. And, uh, and on that website, the, it goes down and kind of goes through the different different types of competitions that's, that's held for each event. So it's all uniform. It, if you go to you know the different events, it's all the same uh, tasks, they call it. One of the cool things was I, I couldn't help myself. I, I had to buy one of these. Now, I had a couple of cheap DLGs. and Like, what's cheap? What's on the cheaper scope of, of the DLG? Well, like, if I wanted to get something, like, really cheap, like, does Hobby King make one? On the, well, whatever they yeah, sell is pretty cheap. <laughs> there's a, Hobby King has a few different ones, and they vary yeah. in price from very cheap. And uh, mine was a, the one I had was uh, rudder and elevator only. It didn't have ailerons. Um and, you know, I, I kind of had a little bit of fun throwing that around up until this event, uh, thinking that, you know, that was that was okay. Uh, and and it was challenging. You know, I'd catch a little bit of a thermal here and there, but nothing enough to get me rised up like these guys were doing. Um, but you can pick up something real dirt cheap for, like, under 70 bucks, which was the E-Flight Whippet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it's a little, oh, it's a I remember that. Yep. home airplane. And, you know, that was a big thing at one of the flight fests. There, a bunch of guys had yeah. bought those from out there, tossing those things in there. Uh, so you're you're anywhere from seventy bucks to ten times that. Um, there was a guy selling them uh, at the event, and they're like seven eight hundred bucks for, and and apparently wow. that's not even the high end. And it's and these things you know at that level they're all I think they're vacuum formed they're they're carbon fiber and Kevlar and you know all sorts of exotic materials that they're using to to frame these up and mm-hmm. you know a lot of designs going into to make them as efficient as possible. And then it gets even crazier because they start doing all these different programming into it, which, you know, I'm thinking, okay, it's just a glider. You, you spin around, you toss it, it, it flies. Yeah. But you've got different settings. So, like, typically you don't, like, throw it as straight up in the air as you can. You you have a setting in there that you launch it almost flat, you know, kind of a little bit above the horizon. And the setting you have puts in automatic deflection in the in the – elevator and on the wings and that causes it to climb and once you get up to the altitude that it's going to top out at you release that switch and then it goes into the cruise mode and then there's a couple other cruise modes where you know it has more and more lift they fly slow slow it flies slower uh but it it has more lift to the point that these guys as it's coming in to land you know they're not letting it land on the ground um, some of the guys would actually have it come in and it almost stops next to them. They grab it by the wingtip and it doesn't even touch the ground. They fling it around again to get it back in the air. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, that was wow. That takes some coordination. <laughs> oh, I've seen the ones where the guys would come in and the thing, I mean, they put the flaps down on it and it almost stops right in front of them. It looks like they're just taking it off a shelf. They reach out and grab it by the wing. It mm-hmm. comes to almost a complete stop right in Damn. front of them. I mean, aren't those things fragile? Because they, they're, I know they're super light, right? They have to be really light to... Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things, uh, um, Gavin, I'm, I'm sorry I'm 
blanking on his last name. He was a, a Horizon pilot at the event. I mean, he's you know kind of like you guys with your sponsorship with the helicopters. He does it for Horizon, and that guy was phenomenal. I, I went over and you know after I bought this thing, uh, Dan was starting to help me set it up, but he's like, hey, you know, I'm not going to be able to set this up as well as Gavin. Go ask him. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know. He's been kind of busy, but I went over there, and the guy dropped everything he was doing, helped me out, uh, and to the point that I, I had a receiver in my um, in my airplane, and he's like, yeah, that's not going to work. He goes over, gets a new one out of his uh, toolbox, and says, this is what you need, and he, he put it in there, no charge. Um, oh, yeah, gosh. so it's like wow. a full range, high end glider, carbon fiber, you know, fuselage type receiver. He says, "Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get that, and it, you're gonna lose signal, and you're gonna lose the plane." But he, uh, nice. he took quite a bit of time setting it up, and then you know after the event was you know the the competition part was over, he uh, took me off to the side of the field and kind of gave me a primer in flying these types of gliders. No, because mine was a little less than a meter wingspan, and that's how they measure these. They they got like meter, meter and a half, and and stuff. Uh, so the one I ended up with was a meter and a half size wing. He says a lot of guys, when they first get these, they break the wing in half because they try to swing it in an upward throw and they clip mm-hmm. the wing. They don't even feel it hit the ground. It just breaks. Um, oh, wow. So okay. my, my first launch, I was a little bit nervous because I just dropped 250 bucks on that plane. Uh, yeah. And that was, you know, it's a good price apparently for a used um, higher end glider. And hopefully I didn't say that loud enough. My wife just heard me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, I was a little nervous, and Dan, crack Dan, he was over there, and he's getting ready to film me. I'm like, no, don't, don't film this, don't film this. I don't want to. <laughs> and I wasn't. Yeah, I was worried about screwing up, but I was even more worried about screwing up on camera, which is stupid because I always say it doesn't count if it's not on film. But for some reason, I was being really weird about it, the poor guy. Um, and after I got my first launch out of the way, and, and it, it did just fine, he, he then I then let him record it. So I threw that up on the on the Freefall RC flight to uh, mm-hmm. the Facebook page. Um, but yeah, it. It was so relaxing. I mean, once I got it up, and it just it just kind of cruises. It's just, you know, Frank, that Frank guy, uh, when I was doing one of the live videos, put a bunch of little snorry faces across. Um, oh, oh, our Frank. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that guy. Uh, but uh, Mortadellos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you ruined it. Mortadillo, whatever. Uh, That's the Burt Camera pron- pronunciation. Is it? Did he? Is yeah. that how he said? It? I don't remember. Okay. (laughs) So the event was interesting. I mean, it was a lot more and not exciting in the way that maybe, you know, the 3D helicopters is. But to watch these guys and the skill that they had to go out there and hunt those thermals. And and they all had their own technique. Um, Dan was a big fan of going for what he calls trash thermals. The stuff that's low to the ground just barely keeps you up in the air. Um, Other guys are going after the big ones. And sometimes it paid off. Sometimes it, it didn't. They'd go out there and they'd get in a thermal. And then the thermal would move out from under them. And then there's another thing called sink where the air's dropping down beside where the thermal was just rising. And these right. planes, just watch them fall out of the air. Um, I was out there uh, on Saturday evening helping a guy look for his plane. And it was down in the swamp uh, up in the top of a 70-foot-tall tree. Oh, and, boy. Oh, yeah, uh, that's the picture. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how he got it out of the tree. I, I sent a message to him on RC Groups. Um, but, yeah, so... Dan was able to do pretty well on one of the competitions. He, he stayed up for the full duration, while other guys who had gone for some of the big stuff got knocked out of the air. So he was kind of happy with himself. But they had different classes. You know, they they even had a Medicare card class, I guess, for you know seniors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
uh, good workout too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so you're you're spinning, and then you're out there running after it if it doesn't land right next to you. And it's kind of a it's kind of a team event in some cases. So uh, just like with golf, if you have a caddy who's going to sit there and suggest clubs to you, most of the competitions now the all up last down, you're out there by yourself. Your your assistant, your timer is outside the box. He can't talk to you. But the rest of the time, the guy that's keeping time for you is he's he's hunting thermals by sight and telling you where to fly to go get into them because you're paying attention to the airplane so much you're trying to keep it you know in the air without dropping too much altitude um you can't really look around to see what the other guys are doing or what the wind's doing or what maybe even the birds coming in are doing uh so that's his job he looks and says okay we got some you know vultures that have got a thermal off to your right 100 feet out so he's going to try to make his way over there and catch that thermal that the birds are indicating Right. Uh, so, yeah, it was kind of neat to see that teamwork effort in it, too. So, so Fred, I know that these things have no motor because they're colliders, obviously. And so you have your receiver and you have four servos, right? Yep. How how much of uh, of a time frame do you have on the battery? Like, how long would a battery like last a receiver pack? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't I mean, know. How small um, are the batteries? They kind of be tiny, too, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's a little 1S, like 500 cell. Um, 1S. Wow. Yeah. And, I really uh, thought it would at least be like either a 2S or like a life pack or something. Well, some of the guys are running different stuff, but apparently, you know, the ones I saw was like a, a 1S 500, 1S 600 sized um, battery, oh. which reminds me, I need to buy one. And I, so, wow. Yeah. And, and I've never heard of anybody charging up the battery in their, their gliders probably for the whole week or weekend. They might overnight, and I just wasn't paying attention, but. You know, how long does a 1S battery take to, especially on like a, a 500 milliamp? So, you know, they can knock that out in, a, you know, 30 minutes or so. I, I, what I don't understand is like, you know, we're talking about 1S, so like full charge is 4.2 volts and it drops, you know, to whatever, 3.7, 3.75. It's where you probably most you want to really go with that. Like, is that enough to run a radio system in servos and, you know, like that type of range, too? Because you're not talking about maybe 10 feet in front of you or like an RC no, no, car. Right. You're talking about hundreds of feet out. Yeah. And some, of these guys, some of these guys were up, you know, yeah, yeah 399.9 feet. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, this was just kind of a, and, and I really wasn't like going out and doing a lot of questioning. Because at first I didn't want to, because you know I didn't yeah. want to spend more money on something else. Um, I, in fact, this this weekend was kind of different for me for an event because I was so lazy. I just sat in my recliner the whole time. Uh, they they served us food. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was awesome. They uh, all, all the meals were provided. You know, well, not breakfast. You had to go out and hunt that yourself. But uh, lunch and dinner was provided. Some some of the local local catering places donated food to this event. I mean, this is a a big deal for for the area apparently. Wow, nice. Um, Park manager came out and talked to the folks for a little while. The, one of the guys that put the event on used to be on their um, their their volunteer fundraising group. So, and in fact, all the proceeds that they made off the event went right to the state park. Nice. You know, it it was a good a good partnership there. Uh, and then honestly, that was part of what I went down for is I wanted to see how they were able to get this to work where they had the uh, RC aircraft in a state park, and it's been successful for over a decade. Uh, you know, a lot of state parks have just flat out banned the stuff, but here's here's an example of it, you know, benefiting both parties. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very cool. On a normal toss, like, I mean, how, how without any thermals, like, 
say like the the top tier guys, how high were they actually getting those models? Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah. So you know, right angle, they, right spin, right. You yeah, know, let go. Some of the guys, you know, they, they toss up, and it's a pretty good toss. And, and it just kind of, you see it climb up in the air 50, 60, 70 feet, okay? Mm-hmm. Then they have this one kid down there, and you would actually hear the airplane ripping the air. It just kinda was like just, uh, oh, it was it was, it was was crisper than a whoosh. You, I mean, you your head snapped around, and you wanted to see it. And he was launching that thing. It had to been close to 100 feet up. Nice. Uh, Damn. On a hand toss. I mean, he would just crack that thing in the air. And uh, there was a couple of guys that really had some impressive, you know, launches. Um, I was not one of them. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, like I said, I, I'm still scared of the thing a little bit. But uh, I'd be in traction the next day if I oh, launched a few of those. Well, and, mm-hmm. and that's just it. You know, there's. there's I'd be having corrective surgery. With, not all these yeah. guys, you know. You're like, oh, we're back. Slip the oh. disc. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, in fact that was the funny thing the park manager had come out and he had uh, picked up a glider last year and he was going to come participate but he was in the hospital the day before with a back injury so oh, yeah geez. he was out there and he, he he made a presence but he was grimacing the whole time i i, I did kind of make my boss a little nervous by suggesting that uh maybe that guy had offered me a position down there to help with the the, the glider program <laughs> that'd be and, cool uh, yeah nice. he, he wasn't going for it it was definitely varying skill levels as far as the hand tosses, and some guys just, you know, just stole the show on that part. Um, mm-hmm. But then other guys, they might not have got it quite as taut, you know, high up in the air, but they just really knew how to work every bit of lift out of the out of the what was available. Right, right. That's awesome. So, should we move it to news and announcements? Sure. Okay. News and announcements. <laughs> All right. What do we got? Fred, you sound like the guy from Saturday Night Live back in the day when you say that. I'll, I'll, sorry, I'll try not to do that. No, no, it's awesome, man. It's Saturday night. <laughs> you sound like that guy. Well, thank you. <laughs> it almost sounded like, thank you? <laughs> like, okay, should I take it as a compliment? No. Ron Jeremy? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'll go first. Yeah. I may or may not go to the Perry Swap Meet this weekend. So okay. Perry Swap Meet. By the time that this is being aired, um, Perry, Georgia is having its annual giant swap meet. And this thing is huge. Uh, if you're anywhere in the central Georgia area, go. Um, they have these these giant warehouse-sized egg you know, demonstration buildings that every single one of them is filled with rows of tables. And every table is covered in airplanes or some sort of RC Related stuff. Now, every once in a while, there's a couple of tables that are a little bit not quite RC. Uh, one of my friends has a farm, and that, and he's got some of his RC stuff on there, and his wife's got some of the stuff from the farm on the table. So, for the most part, I mean, the place is just jam packed with radio controlled aircraft type stuff. Nice. And you saw my pictures from last year, probably. So, I did go through and look at my current collection of aircraft and trying to pick out which ones I was willing to part with, and it Apparently uh, was none. <laughs> so uh, going Damn up there, to sell stuff probably is not going to happen. And then if I go up there without anything to sell, then that means I don't have anything to trade. So if I go there, I'll probably buy stuff, which means bringing back more stuff, cluttering up more space. Mm-hmm. So I might just skip that and do some flying local instead. Go fly. It's, uh, you know, it's fun. Well, 
Well, I've got the big <laughs> Cessna that I haven't flown in a while, and yeah. I, I warned my wife I might go up to um, the, the the flying field that they hold the 3D farm event at. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's told me I could come up there and spend the night if I wanted to, just, you know, in between events. Um, so I might go up there with the camper, and I love that little camper, man. That thing's been great. Um, um, I want one so bad. It's awesome. It's so much better than trying to do anything by tent or hotel. I mean, the hotel obviously has the benefit of a shower, but oh, yeah. you know, just just on the drive down there, I drove. I left here kind of late, um, pulled over in a rest area, crawled into the camper, and just took a nap. If I feel drowsy while driving, I just pull over and get into it. It's awesome. And then I did the same thing on the way back. I left there a little bit later than I meant to, and I was tired. I pulled over, took a nap for a couple hours, got back on the road. You can't do that with a hotel. I mean, if you're going to spend the money, you might as well stay the whole night. Um, and a tent, you're not going to set up a tent in the in the rest area. Well, most people don't. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, um, so yeah, I go up there, and my Cessna has lights in it, so get some night flying with it. Um, it's it's needing some attention, so I might do that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. You had um, you had somebody on Facebook. I forget. Show some interest in uh, that camper. Wanted to know some details about it. Yeah, wasn't it you? No, no. This was um, just recently. Oh, well, maybe I'll have to do another video. It's it's kind of neat because it is um, it's a little teardrop sized camper, and what's kind of interesting with it is it's a styrofoam structure. the The walls and and roof is all styrofoam. The inside I have wood paneling on, and the exterior is a canvas with, I think, like a polyurethane to, you know, kind of like a fake fiberglass. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it works fantastic. It's, you know, it's super light. It's less than 500 pounds. I can push it all over the yard. Uh, it might be over 500 pounds now because I put the air conditioner and a battery system in it. Um, I'm looking at putting a uh, solar panel on to keep the battery up to charge. So Nice. And what are you currently running? Like, you know, obviously when you have the AC on, you're running, what, a generator? Like a little Honda or something? Or No, I haven't done that yet. Um, generally, if I'm using the AC, we're somewhere that has a, a power outlet. A hookup? Okay. Mm-hmm. But I have been looking at some of the, uh, the those really super quiet, $400, $450, uh, Ryobi has a good one. Um, yep. Of course, yep. Honda has yeah. a really good one, but they're close to a thousand dollars. You get the, like the Predator or whatever the Harbor Freight brand is. Yep. Um, there's, there's, if you want to wake your neighbors up, no, yep. the newer ones aren't too bad. The, the, oh, they aren't. Really okay, good man. Now I have the little, not the tailgater green one, like tailgater green ones. <laughs> not the hundred fifty dollar one. No, no, no. We're talking about yeah, one that's comparable to Hondas now. Yeah, I picked okay. up one of the the. The, the little noisy ones up for like 80 something bucks yeah so it was worth it it's just a as a bump you know charging type stuff mm-hmm. but it won't it won't run the ac no. so it's just a little too weak for that um out for anyone to want that, that thing on at night yeah i mean you can build a little styrofoam box to go over to kind of you know quiet it down but yeah you don't want to do it overnight yeah uh but some of these other ones uh some of the guys are running those and i was really kind of looking at them pretty close because I was impressed. The uh, they they were quiet. I mean, inside my camper, I couldn't hear it. Nice, nice. Yeah. You know, you- so speaking of Dave Crawford, dude, it was Dave who asked on Facebook where yes. you got your little camper. Mm-hmm. He says interested in something to haul uh, his planes and himself to flight fest. Yeah. Well, and, and it works great for that. I, I'd be tempted to suggest the um, you know modifying a little cargo trailer. You know, it'd be similar. You could put the the mattress on the bottom of that too. Uh, the teardrop styles are real nice for the comfort of sleeping in. 
But the problem is, is once you start trying to haul your aircraft in there, it kind of ruins the whole yeah. ability to pull over the side on the rest area and take a nap on the drive. Because then you're having to shuffle the airplanes around. Um, well, and you definitely need you definitely need something like an SUV or a pickup that you could put the models in. Well, if, if you, you know. had like a cargo trailer that you converted, you could put rack systems up overhead mm -hmm. yep. and slide the aircraft in that way, the helis of the planes and wings and all that stuff, mm -hmm. and then sleep on the floor. Um, mm -hmm. because it's a taller, you know, it's a taller yeah. unit. Yeah. For, for what we've been doing with because I, I got the, the, the poor man tunnel cover on the back of my pickup truck. I can slip a lot of stuff in, inside the bed of the truck, and that leaves the interior of my camper clear. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Uh, any other news and announcements? Uh, speaking of gliders, dude, I was uh, on Horizon Hobby, and they are taking advanced orders for the Consendo, which is a uh, 1.5 meter bind and fly basic glider, powered glider for $149, which I think is pretty cool. Awesome. 60 inch wingspan and uh, three cell, 1300 that it runs on. Is it kind of like a radiant or is it more of a warm liner? It looks like a whippet, but just with a motor on it. Huh. It's it's not like a radiant with the, uh, at least from this one picture I see where the, the, the wingtips uh, curl up. It's more like a straight wing. It's more like a like a warm liner or a hot liner. Huh. Yeah. Looks pretty cool. Okay. Cool. There's a picture of a guy throwing it. Is he spinning in a circle? No, he's just throwing it. Well, it's got a motor on it, so he's just throwing More like it. a javelin launch than a yeah. distance launch. So that's not a bad price, $149 for something that size where you could probably you know tool around and have a good time with. Mm -hmm. What is ridiculously priced is the 1300 or 1350 milliamp battery, which is $30. Um, I would suggest going somewhere else for the battery. Say, it's, a, it's been a while since you had to pay that much for that size battery. Yeah, that's a thirty C. Maybe it's because of the C rating. The, uh, but even the twenty Cs are like eighteen dollars. So, yeah, that's a lot of cabbage. A lot of cabbage, and what are you really getting? You ain't getting twenty C or thirty C out of those batteries. You're getting ten. You ain't getting no thirty C. Uh uh. <laughs> uh. Let's see what else do we have. Uh, so this episode comes out on Friday. Friday is the first day of the AMA East show in Secaucus, New Jersey. And the fabulous Las Vegas Funfly is taking place. And the fabulous, yes. So that's awesome. So if you're on the East Coast, Northeast, you should come to Secaucus, meet up with Kevin and I uh, on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, meet, meet up with you, dude. Oh, yeah. I forgot. In you're in Florida. 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 Sorry. I'm kind of bummed because I wanted to go this year. Yeah, yeah. But I would rather go to Florida. So, yeah. You come well, uh, that, say what's up to me. <laughs> maybe that's what I need to do this weekend is try to track you down. Yeah. Well, he's not going to be too far from me, like four hours, right, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Seven hours. Okay, so seven hours. I'm going to be in. I'm going to be in Universal for a couple of days, then visiting mom, and then I might see how Fred's doing. I don't know. I'll have to see how it goes. Cool, um, but yeah, I'll be at the AMA East show. Uh, probably going. I'm going with my family. I'll be there on Saturday. Yeah, I'll probably meet up. I know Michael Shaggy Parker is going to be there with Mike DiPaolo and. Oh, cool. And um, and Robert Monty, uh, you know, Rob is part of Urcha, you know, so they Urcha usually has a booth there. So Eden Bryce will most likely be there too. So it'll be good to say what's up to those guys. And you know, I haven't seen those guys since uh, was it Orlando for was it Orlando? No, before then I think Fall Mowdown. So Fall Mowdown. Yeah. So so it'll be nice to go hang out with those guys for a little bit and just check out some stuff. Um, 
I'm probably not gonna really buy anything. You know, I mean, I say that now, but you know. you know what it is. It's like you know, I think about how much money I spent in the last like month. No, not month. Last week, four days. Yeah, I spent almost like sixteen hundred or eighteen hundred with the printer. I don't know, something like that. Kevin, grab that clip and play it back next week when he's talking about what he bought. <laughs> now, now I will I will put a clause in there. I, I have been looking for either an any one or a one point two um, four stroke or a sixty one ah, to uh, uh, you know sixty one to whatever eighty something or ninety something for a two stroke for the escapade, which is going to be my pattern plane that I'm going to use whenever my our club has those pattern fun flies. I'll show up with that and then some helis. So, in my opinion, the Goblin Five Seventy is the perfect helicopter. Next week, I'm buying a seven hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eggs. I don't think I'm gonna get a nitro. Now I just bought my third nitro. <laughs> well, uh, that's the yeah. best. You're the best. <laughs> I still haven't bought an IX twelve though, huh? 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 Yeah. No. Yeah. Cool. All right, so let's just move on to what's next for you in the hobby. I'm going on vacation. Yeah, that's what's next for me. So, are you gonna make it the next show or no? No, I'm not gonna make it. Oh boy, I'm gonna be in freaking Universal. Ah, I'm gonna be on the Hulk ride, throwing up on people. Be on vacation for damn. <laughs> a week. Wow. 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 Over a week. Wow. All right, so you're gonna miss the episode with Brett, another listener series. Oh crap! Sorry. That's cool. Sorry, dude. It's cool. We'll find your replacement. I, I mean, I mean, don't. Uh, yeah. I gotta have my <laughs> vacation. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. You need your mental work. Or a happy marriage. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There you go. Yeah, my vacation is coming up in March, uh, first week of April. So you're gonna have to cover. I'm actually gonna have to take a vacation day off of the the podcast coming up. Really? I get to MC the show? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, All right, listeners, hold on to your lug yeah. nuts. <laughs> uh, that's going to be awesome. It's going to be the most downloaded episode. <laughs> so let's see here. What's next for you in the hobby? Uh, who wants to go first? I went first. I mean, who wants to go second? Yeah, you're not even going to be. I don't know. You're, you're doing something vacation. Universe. Oh, jeez. And, and I already kind of went with mine in the news and announcement segment. Yeah, so you might do the Perry Swap Meet. Might not. Probably not. Go fly. Fred, go fly and enjoy flying. Okay. <laughs> right, so I guess I'll go then. Um, so, yeah, I got a new helicopter build. It's sitting there. I'm going to, like, as soon as I get off the show, start <laughs> building it, I Damn. think. Um, no, nah, I got work tomorrow, too. It's almost 11 o'clock, so. Yeah. Probably not. Uh, but, yeah, I got a helicopter build. I got... A 3D Labs print, which we didn't talk about about the 3D print stuff. It's, you could buy these planes from 3DLabsPrint.com. Go there, take a look, spend your $30, $40, and buy yourself a cool plane to print out when you get your 3D printer. So, yeah, yes. I got that uh, Edge plane that, I, that I'm building. I'm trying to figure out the, uh, the settings so I can build that. So once I get the settings down, it's going to be uh, just a mad dash to just get all the parts uh, printed out and built. And then, uh, yeah, this weekend, AMA East show on Saturday. It is Friday to Sunday, but I'm just going to make it Saturday. And then um, possibly, I don't think the weather is going to be nice this weekend, but uh, if the weather is anything decent, maybe I'll just I'll either go flying at, you know, our friend's field or, or um, 
probably just locally. Maybe just take the Oxy Four out for a couple of flights. Uh, cool. uh, yeah. So that's about it. <clears throat> Let's uh, wrap it up. All right. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. Wrap it up. All right. Wrap it. Wrap it up. Uh, yeah, it's actually quite a quite a long show tonight, huh? Yeah. All I right. Thought we'd have nothing to talk about. Yeah. That's always so we, the kiss uh, of death. <laughs> that's always the kiss of death. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are at 748 Facebook likes. That's plus four this week. And we have three names, which is kind of funny because this one name I I recognize. So. Um, let's see. We have, oh, cue the music. We have Chris Gill, Andy Ross. And, Andy Ross. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same Andy Ross. But, I mean, there could be a second Andy Ross. Um, no. And There's Chris Kraft. <laughs> okay. Chris Kraft? Kraft. Like Kraft cheeses. Wow. Chris Kraft. Wasn't that a band, like a hip-hop band in the 80s? Chris Kraft. Chris Cross? Maybe. Kraft? I don't know. So, yeah. You could see I was into hip-hop, right? Yeah. So, thanks for liking us. We're slowly but surely getting more likes. Facebook comments. What do we got? All right. Facebook comments, man. We had a comment from we had a comment from Jim Lockwood about the last episode with our buddy Dave Gerderman. And he said, I'm so proud to be a spader. Great discussion. Proud of you. Team Abby Normal. Spat, spatter. Spatter. Spader. <laughs> Tomato. Um, yeah, so thanks, Jim. Nice. Thank you, Jim. All right, let's move on to People of Podbean. People of Podbean. I skipped Podbean, what, last episode, I think it was? So Yes, you can log in. We, we got a bunch of stuff, man. Nice. Um, I know I said Helly Yaw started following us, but people that started following us, uh, JW Cruising, PBG1E893BN, uh, Mike Welch started following us. Thank you, Mike. Nice. Awesome, Mike. Uh, PBG6F22FFU started following us. KVENE, some phone, <laughs> 9411 started following us. D. Delisle started following us. Okay, now I think people are just screwing with me. Elfie <laughs> uh, started following us. Uh, Fit Queens Living started following us. J J J A Hogan started following us. Uh, BVGHJ, our buddy uh, from Texas, he um, liked episode one eleven, uh, listener series with Andrew Schneider, and and one twelve listener series with Dave Gerdeman and Mike Welts also liked that episode one twelve, and D Delisle started. I'm sorry, <laughs> D Delisle also liked episode one eleven. And I think I covered everybody. Sweet. So thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Uh, iTunes review. Uh, there are no new iTunes reviews. All right. Drop us an iTunes review, and we'll read the review in the next episode. Email us at free4rc at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash free4rc podcast. Come on, guys. Get your friends to like us. We need, we need that number. Let's bump that up. Okay. It's kind of been slow since uh, last, you know. Since we got to like six hundred, seven hundred, it started slowing down a lot. So let's get let's get some uh, let's get some more folks. You know, you can like us and then unfollow. I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, check whatever it. Yeah, whatever you want to do. Yeah, whatever you want to do. That's cool. Uh, 
check out our webpage, freefarcypodcast.com. Say hi to Chris Reibert. Hi, Chris Reibert. Uh, flight test forums, off the field, audio and video production. Other than flight test podcast, Free podcast, sitting next to our friends, the FT Community Cast. Hey, Pat Joel and Mike. Hi, Joel, Pat. <laughs> rcheliehangouts.com slash rc under, oh, oh, I messed that up. Under the RC <laughs> Heli Hangouts main section, podcast corner, Free for RC podcast, sitting next to our friends, the RC Heli Hooligans podcast. Hey, Walt Ned. And also the Full Pitch uh, podcast. That's Jimmy Jones and Javier Moreno. Actually, I just listened to their last episode. Those guys are really clicking, man, and moving right along. Really sounds like they're getting comfortable in front of the microphone. So nice. guys are doing a great job. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We are Skies, and we'll see you next time. See you. Bye. Well, thank you very much. Bye, 3D printer. Tell us your Bye. Share it. I can't wait to put this damn helicopter together. Woohoo! I can't wait to 3D print me some more parts for helicopter. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even mention this. There's an Oblivion open source 3D printed 300 times.